Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm number one. You're number two. We're criminals at large, but I'm at larger than you. I'm number one. You're number two. I believe in equality as long as you get less than me. I'm one. You're one. You're number two. I'm number two. You may think that you're smarter, but I'm smarter than you. I'm number one. You're number two. You're lucky to be number two, not number three. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. But not James Diamond this week. He is absent, even though we've got one of the biggest uh, film re- uh, new releases of the year. But we have got Carol Petz instead. Hello. Um, first time on the podcast, isn't it? Or second time. Second time. First time James didn't invite me and Owen on with you, I don't oh. think. Yes, yeah, because it was a party. Yeah. Special guest appearance. Yes. Um, but yes, this week we've got new release reviews of uh, Muppets Most Wanted and Captain America The Winter Soldier, uh, as well as a little tiny sneak preview to The Raid 2 that Owen has seen. Mm. Um, we're going to start, though, with the quiz. James is winning 2-1 and has nominated Carol to take his place, so if Carol does well here, James could win and nominate some other documentary about penises for us to watch, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. He's found he's found one, and I'd trust him to find another one if he should wish. <laughs> He'll find something obscure from the other side of the world that's like a documentary no one else has heard of, only shown once yeah, in the entire history of, yeah. yeah. That's what James is like. It's just um, not- I actually have a, a small point to make about last week's quiz, um, Owen. Um, I don't know whether, to, whether this marks it null and void, but one of your... Um, one of your clues was that the person had been in X Men one, two, and three. Yeah. And Stanley wasn't in X Men two. You what? What? Really? No, I'm serious. It's like uh, one of the ones that he doesn't make an appearance in. Trust me, I've I've seen it enough times. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Steve, you've been robbed. You would have got it if it wasn't for that. I'll let through you, wasn't it? I'll let it stand. <laughs> we'll just chalk it up and, and say, you know, pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's good. Yes. Yeah, so, Owen, if you want to start off with uh, this this round. Shall I start the quiz then? Okay. Um, okay, I'm not going to go in sort of chronological order. I'm just going to jump about and pick whichever film I fancy. So I'm going to start with, in, in 2000, they were in Shaft. Steve. Yeah. Steve. Samuel awesome. L. Jackson. You gonna have a guess, Carol? I'm gonna say Christian Bale. It's Christian Bale. Hey! <laughs> Straight away. Penis documentary. Here we come. 
Yeah, excellent. We'll just have a rewatch. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think Steve even... You didn't even watch it, did you, Steve? No. No, you still <laughs> not watched it. But anyway, anyway, James has obviously now won this round of the quiz, but he's he's not here to tell us what we've got to watch. So um, next, next time we'll tell you what we've had to watch. Yeah, well, that's like it gives us a bit of a break. I'm sure we can't pick anything worse than Cutthroat Island, anyway. Which, <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, yes, so we may as well go straight into what we've been watching then. Um, and Carol, why don't you start us off with what you've been watching this week? Um, well, I, as, as I said to you earlier, I did watch World War Z, but I did fall asleep halfway through that, so I don't think it would be fair to give it a full-on review. Uh, I wasn't happy with what I did see. Let's just say that and, and move on. You've not, you've um, not, you've not given it its US title then. You've gone for World War Z and not Z. Yeah, because I'm British. Have you have you read the book? Yes, I have. Yeah. It's rubbish, isn't it? it what the book? Yeah. No, the book is great. <laughs> it's, not, oh, um, it's not as good as the Zombie Survival Guide, in my opinion. Yes, no, no, that I agree with. I thought the Zombie Survival Guide was pretty good. It but, was very um, tongue-in-cheek, yeah. I, I just don't understand why they just didn't make a, a generic uh, zombie film and just, you know, call it something else. It would have been it would have been fine. It wouldn't have been my cup of tea, but, you know, mm. at least don't ruin that because there was just so much stuff that they didn't use. If you... Do either of you watch Honest Trailers? Yes, some of them. There, there's one for World War Z, which uh, I watched immediately after the film, and it's just, it's spot on. There's just, it, it just, at some point, it just reels through all the stuff that it doesn't use from the book that would have been really good to see on the screen. And it's just, it's hilarious. I would, I would heartily recommend it. We had the argument when the film was released and we all saw it that it would have been much better making it into a, a kind of Band of Brothers esque TV programme. Yeah, you could have easily done that and just have him travel around and interviewing people as he does in the book. Yeah. That would have been just fantastic. But um, it was just like, no, we're, we're going to keep the keep the title, but just and the zombies, and, and that'll be it. Really, we'll just uh, we'll just jettison the rest of it. It'll be fine. But um, what I have actually been watching instead, then, which uh, is kind of fitting uh, given our main review is I rewatched uh, Thor The Dark World over the weekend. Uh, Owen doesn't like it. <laughs> no. I think it... Well, it's not that I don't like it. I think the first... like, it's a, What is it, about a 100-minute long film? It's not too long, is it? I think the, the first 90 minutes are really long. And then the final 20 minutes are quite entertaining. But it's that first bit that drags it down for me. I don't... Yeah, overall it's it's pretty crap, but the first part of it is really crap. I actually, I, I really enjoyed it in the cinema. Um, I I really like in the first one. I, I like the first one. I like all the first one films, and I really like the first one because the whole with Kenneth Branagh directing, I think it brings a whole kind of Shakespearean uh, overtone to the whole thing, which is not necessarily, would not necessarily been there, and I, I don't think was there in the sequel. There wasn't really, I remember reading a, a review, I can't remember who it was, but someone said there's there's no scene with the gravitas, where, like, in the first one, Thor makes di- uh, breakfast for everyone, like, and it's meant to show his humility now, and there's no 
everything like that in the, and there's just so much conveyed in that one little scene but there's nothing like that in the sequel at all it's it's fine there's there's nothing wrong with it um i actually watched it to see how it held up with the winter soldier um you know in comparison to the soldier in my kind of phase two ranking of the film so far um tom hiddleston saves it to be honest for me i thought he was really good in it yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that as well. I think if it wasn't for Tom Hiddleston, then I probably would have disliked that film even more. Yeah, I, I think, I remember reading somewhere that they beat up his role quite a lot, and mm. uh, looking at it in the cold light of day, I, I can see why they did, definitely. It's, it's not an awful film by any means, it's just kind of, it's, but it's pretty kind of by the numbers, really. And I think The Winter Soldier will come in above it in my ranking of films, which we'll get on to later. Yeah. Yes, uh, so, Owen, what have have you seen? Um, I rewatched a couple of films that I've seen not too long ago, actually, so they're quite recent rewatches, but uh, one of them that I did watch was A Field in England, which we had this debate before, Steve, with you, me, Jerry and James, and I think Matt got in on the the debate as well when we had that end-of-year review. I really like A Field in England. Well, I seem to be, like, in the minority of the people who contribute to the Foul Critics website who do like it. I don't think anybody else voted for it in our end-of-year awards. No, because it was just weird and for the sake of being weird. But, it, but that's kind of the point of it. You know, they take the mushrooms, so they go on, the, they go on a sort of weird bender, and it's that's part of what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be really weird. So I quite... I quite enjoy that aspect of it, any because it also adds to the film's like visuals, which I think are brilliant. You know, it's all shot in black and white, um, but it it it's still got this vivid sense of just outright freakishness. And um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it still held up for me on a second watch. I think actually, I probably even enjoyed it a bit more. Um, the surrealist element was it was still there. It was still really strong, but I. The first time we watched it, I thought towards the end, the story kind of disappears a little bit and it just gets overtaken by these trippy scenes and these these psychedelic uh, visuals. But actually, it it still has that story to it. It it continues right through to the end, which, you know, uh, perhaps I was a bit harsh on that aspect of it the first time. But yeah, on the second, second watch, I still think it's really good. I still really like Ben Wheatley as a director as well. Um, you know, Sightseers is, is very popular and, and rightly so. It's a very funny film. Um, also, Kill List, which is quite divisive as well as the field in England being quite divisive. But I quite liked Kill List as well. That was the first film of his I'd seen. But prior to that, I'd already seen his um, series of Ideal. He, he directed a whole series of Ideal. I think it was season three or season four. No, se- season three he did. And it's just, he just strikes me as a really good director. So he. I think we also pointed out in the past he's now going to direct some or all of the Doctor Who episodes. Yes, first two episodes, I think it is in a new series. Yeah, so I'm I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but I'm probably going to give it a go just because it's Ben Wheatley. I just want to see what else he can do. He's just that kind of exciting young British director at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he'll do with that. I do suspect I probably won't enjoy it, because I don't really get on with Doctor Who stuff anyway. But, 
yeah, Ben Wheatley's a great director, and A Field in England, I still think it's a very good film. And I'm just disappointed, really. I'm disappointed with you all not voting in it for our end-of-year awards. <laughs> you spend quite a lot of your time on here disappointed with at least one of us, so... <laughs> That's true. What, yeah. what was the other film that you saw this week, then? Oh, I um, I rewatched The Woman in Black, the recent one with Daniel Radcliffe, which, it's just not, it's not great, really. It's, it's weird, because there's a new Hammer horror film coming out soon that I've, I'm really, now I've mentioned, um, mentioned this, I'm trying to think what the new Hammer horror film is, but I can't remember what it's called. But it's, it's these British horror films, it's, it's a 12 rating for Woman in Black. Some of it is quite dark, you know, it's darker than I would have thought would, would make it into a 12 rated film. But it's all, um, you know, misconception, there's, there's the misdirection, rather, not misconception, blimey, misdirection, so you've got him looking in a mirror, and, oh, no, it's a crow, uh, and, and there's something standing over there, is it a woman, I can't, oh, no, it's just a fucking coat on a table or something. It's just, it's pretty bland, I think. I think. It's one of these that, I know some people who've seen it in the theatre, and they said, when you see it in the theatre, it is terrifying. Yes. Um, and I can imagine it would be. Have you seen it in the in the theatre, Carol? Yes, and that's why the film, the, the rate, 12A rating for the film really puts me off. I've seen it in the theatre and I've read the book. And I can't okay. anything with a 12A rating coming close to either of those experiences, which is why I don't really mm. want to kind of watch the film and, and kind of have it nullified by that. Yeah, well, it is very tame. And those scares that probably do work in a theatre, I can imagine if someone's just standing right behind you or something you haven't noticed, that would kind of freak you out a little bit. Or the atmosphere. I've heard that there's a bit with a rocking chair, which is supposed yes. to be quite scary. Um, <laughs> but in the, yeah, in the film, it's just it's a nothing scene. It's not scary. It's well made for a film. It's just not not scary. It's going for all cheap scares and they don't really pull it off very well. But the it, acting in it is always like Harry Potter generation, is it not? Really, it's kind of getting <laughs> younger, younger demographic into that sort of thing, which is why Danny Radcliffe in the first place because he's pretty young really to be playing that role. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Although he does keep trying to distance himself from it now with all his acting choices. He um he was in another theatre thing, wasn't he? Not long after the last Harry Potter film, where he stripped down to his birthday suit and that was supposed to be him growing up and maturing from the Harry Potter series but yeah. he struggles to escape it I think yeah I, I, I can't help but think just the cynic in me just can't help but think you put them there to get to get the mm. Harry Potter movies into a, a hammer because that was what relaunched Hammer really wasn't it was that it was, yeah. an enormous success so you know they, they're obviously doing something right but um, yeah, yeah something Something about the whole thing just doesn't sit right with me, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the two that I rewatched in this past week. Um, of the two, obviously, as you can tell, I much prefer Field in England. So. Okay, well, I watched, well, in, in preparation for the new releases this week, I, this week, I watched uh, the, the most recent Muppets movie, as well as um, the, the first Captain America film. And not the made-for-TV movie that I saw 20 minutes of on <laughs> on, on Five Star or something a couple of months ago. That was terrible. I don't know what all that was about. No, but the, the first kind of Marvel Disney one. 
and Avengers Assemble, but they've been spoken about long enough, so I don't really need to go back into that. But I watched The Purge as well, um, which was released last year, horror thriller starring Ethan Hawke, um, set about 10 years from now, I think it is, so kind of uh, near future, and for 12 hours on one night of the year in America, all crime is legal with a couple of exceptions so you can kill people and rob stuff and there's no emergency services you can do what you like um it's an interesting premise and it's it's quite a good premise it, it, it had the potential to be quite a good film um it's about a family who uh they lock themselves in for the purge because they don't want to take part in it so they just kind of lock themselves in their house behind a high security gates and and defenses but the, the the son lets in somebody who's trying to escape people. Um, and then the people chasing him try and get into the house as well. And it all kicks off from there. And it's just a bit disappointing, really. You never really kind of root for anyone in the film or want anyone to survive or really care for any characters. And the plot's just a bit, a bit dull. I mean, I know they... I don't really know what more to say about it. It just, it just kind of plods along and then peters out towards... There's a, there's a bit of a twist at the end, which is which is quite good, but between the start and, and the end, it just kind of plods along at a slow pace. Is a bit by the books and a bit predictable and a, and a bit boring from what could be quite an interesting premise for a film. Yeah, I seem to remember, like, within a week of it coming out, there were a lot of people saying, oh, it's brilliant and it's, you know, it's really quite scary and tense. Um, and then as, you know, time went on and more people saw it and lots of people kind of illegally download it and review it, of course, um, the reviews tended to be a lot less positive. Um, because when it when it came out, I thought it sounded like an interesting premise and I would have gone to see it if I could have gone at the time. It wasn't wasn't showing it me. So I was a bit disappointed to miss out on it at first because of, you know, these positive reviews that were coming out. But it, from, from the way you've described it and the things I can remember people saying about it, I'm kind of not that bothered anymore that I missed it. It seems like it was, um, yeah, like you've said, just a bit of a nothing film, mm. really. It has got a bit a, of a wasted chance. It did do quite well, though, at the box office, and it has got a sequel coming out this year called The Purge mm. Anarchy, I think, um, which is okay. going to be based around the same idea with different different central characters. But, um, yeah, so it's obviously something went right for them to be doing that, but... I don't really know what. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, that's all for what we've been watching. We'll have a quick break and then we'll be back with our uh, new release uh, reviews. Yes, so, new release uh, reviews then, um, <gasps> featuring The Raid 2, very briefly, Muppets Most Wanted and Captain America The Winter Soldier, which will have a spoiler alert at the end of the podcast for those who have already seen it. Um, Owen has seen The Raid 2 already. Carol could have gone and seen it, but decided to do a film podcast instead. Got to keep to my responsibilities, you know? Yes, I mean, just... just she knows just, where her priorities are, that's yeah, it. Just, just think, yeah. just feed your ego by the fact that about 300 people will be listening to your, your thoughts on films. <laughs> that's that's why I do it. Steve. That's why I do it every week. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so Owen, because it's not on general release yet and not everyone has had a chance to see it, about a one-sentence review of The Raid 2. Um, okay, very short and straight and to the point. You will not see another action film like The Raid 2 for a long time. At least not until The Raid 3 comes out, which has been announced to, uh, earlier today, Tuesday. They've announced that there's going to be a Raid 3, which will pick up where The Raid 2 finished. But yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, not all right. Not including the original The Raid, what what was the last action film comparable to it? That's a really tough question. I mean, it, it it's kind of like a crime thriller with action scenes in it. Um, so when I came out of the cinema, the, well, whilst I was watching it, I thought kind of thought it sounded and, and felt a little bit like um, a Korean film I watched and reviewed on here called A Bittersweet Life but with much tougher, more brutal, violent action scenes in it. Um, that's the closest thing I can, I can give you, really. It's kind of like a bittersweet life mixed with the first The Raid. Okay. That's not going to help you, is it, Steve? No. Just say, no. Die, just say Die Hard. Die, yeah, it's Die Hard, Steve. There, there we go. Like die Hard if Bruce yeah. Lee was in it. Excellent. <laughs> Well, the first one was in the tower blocks. So I could get I could get on with a Die Hard comparison there, but I don't know about this yeah. one. Anyway, uh, this is this is this is Die Hard three with R- Bruce Lee. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense, man. Um, <laughs> okay. First, first new release is we're going to review is Muppets Most Wanted, the follow up to the 2011, I think, return of the Muppets to the big screen. Um, here's a clip. Exactly what are we doing today? I am doing my job. All we need to do is look at the map with the blinky lights and wait. This is how it is done here in Europe. In America, we use 3D satellite LED displays, not cardboard with Christmas lights stuck through it. A blinky light is blinking. Let's go. What is this? A toy? This is my car. Le Maximum. It is illegal now in most of the EU for its massive size. It's so needlessly spacious, I feel guilty. I hate Europe. Yes, that was a clip of Muppets Most Wanted. Owen was banned by me from seeing this because he's a terminal misery. Um, but, but me and Carol have seen... Uh, Muppets Most Wanted. I'm assuming, Carol, you saw the the last one that was in the cinema as well. I did, but I didn't see it in the cinema. I saw it at home. Yeah. And I think that made a huge difference because I I obviously have seen this one in the cinema. Um, And I think it just made a a tremendous difference to how I felt about the film because I enjoyed the first, not the first Muppet film, obviously, but I enjoyed the the last Muppet film. The the Muppet reboot. The Muppet, yeah, the Muppets Reloaded. Um, but I didn't enjoy it as much as maybe I was expecting to. But this one, I really enjoyed. Um, even though I, I can't really put my finger on what it was, but I think it was just purely seeing it. I, I saw it actually at a screening that um, the website Den of Geek very kindly put on. So it's full of Muppets fans. And that's just the best way to see a film like this, is just among fans that, that really love the, uh, the material and what's 
just being presented to them. And it was just absolutely wonderful. Everything was just greeted with applause and, you know, very uh, stuffed kermits being waved in the air. I mean, I I personally didn't think it was as good as as the last one. Um, I found the you know the Muppets Reloaded a lot more enjoyable and a lot more fun and, and more and, and funnier as well. And I found this one not quite as good, but still enjoyable. But but slower starting. Um, it took a while to get going for me, and yeah, it, and it yeah. certainly had its problems. Ricky Gervais being the the biggest <laughs> one for me because. Was going to be actually. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Richard Bates, but considering it, he was in it that much, he was he was bearable. I, really. I, it wasn't really him being annoying that was the problem. He just seemed to not know how to act in it, which is strange because he's obviously done a lot of acting and his TV acting is generally pretty good. I mean, he's very good as David Brent. He's very good as Andy Millman in extras. I I like Derek, despite people you know kind of criticising it. But in this one, he kind of seemed, you know, like. When you get a stand-up comedian who does a film or a, a, a sitcom, and you can tell that they're not really an actor, but so they're not. He just felt like that to me. He just didn't feel like an actor. It, it just felt a bit kind of wooden from from him. And I, I can never get Brent out of my mind when I see him on screen acting anyway. So well, it doesn't help that he does the dance halfway through as well, does it? No. <laughs> Which is a bit of a, a cringy moment, to be honest. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think altogether it was it was fine. I, I won't remember it in a couple of weeks' time, undoubtedly. No. Um, but you know, there's a couple of you know way past the time for a couple of hours. I can see people have been really looking forward to it being a bit upset. Mm, some um, some some of the cameos are a bit. I know cameos are and kind of celebrity appearances are a big big part of the Muppets from their TV show to all their movies and everything but there's a few here that just didn't hit the right note like I thought P Diddy's one was quite good but Usher's one was pretty bad I actually thought it was the other way around <laughs> at least there was a at least there was a sight gag related to Usher that P Diddy was just kind of completely superfluous um I did like um Ray Liotta though I, I just found that, and Danny Trejo I just found that completely ridiculous yeah and it was just hilarious watching all these five-year-olds laugh along to Danny Trejo and knowing what he's done in his career and, and where he's been was uh, just added an extra extra layer of humour for me. I think I think probably the best or one of the best bits of me was um, Sam Eagle and, and Ty Burrell's characters, the yes. the CIA and the Interpol agents. Yes, absolutely. I think it was a real shame that they actually gave away quite a lot of that in the trailer. Um, because the, 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 there's a bit, the bit with the badges is in the trailer. And yeah. I think that would have been hilarious if people were seeing it for the first time. Um, but as it was, you know, I've seen it quite a few times now. It wasn't quite as funny as it could have been. But I could have quite happily sat for a whole, a whole film watching those two together, definitely. Mm, and, and I think one of the other problems for me was that the, the human characters in it, not the Muppet characters, the actual weren't weren't kind of as good or as kind of well not as good really as the ones in the in the last one played by Jason Seagulls and um, Amy Adams. Yeah, I I, 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 I really like Pinfrey anyway, so I, I like pretty much anything she's in. Um, so she's always going to kind of hit the spot. I thought she was really funny. Um, 
and that is actually something that, that they um, address, isn't it, with uh, Rizzo's line in one of the songs where he comes along and says, no one ever takes notice of the like, second-tier Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with the film is, it's actually pre-addressing all of the all of the criticisms that are going to be levelled at it, because you, in the, the first uh, song is a song about sequels and how they're never as good. Yeah. And uh, obviously it turns out to be the case. It's almost like they're kind of doing it as an, a nod and a wink. You'd like to think they were that clever, but I'm not not entirely sure. Um, that's what, um, but it's definitely worth seeing, especially if you're a, a fan of the Muppets. Yeah, I think that's what James has said as well, isn't it? He sent in our, his, his thoughts to us. Have yes. you got a copy of them there, Steve? Do you want to read yes, it? Yes, he, should I do it? Uh, he said a lot better than certain people would have led him to believe. Um, said it's had some brilliant moments, including everything Ty Burrell and Sam the Eagle did. Um, but a few of the jokes and cameos fell flat, especially when you realise that millions have died in Russian gulags over the years. A uh, bit dark for a kid's film, not a patch on the Muppets, but what is? I think he's gone a bit over the top with the gulags thing. <laughs> I think I think he's just I think he's gone a bit he's gone a bit PC gone mad there. I mean, I, I ended up, because I couldn't get any of my friends to go and see the Lego movie with me, and I couldn't borrow a cousin or steal a child to go and watch it with me either. So I ended up going on my own and watching it in a cinema packed full of kids, and I think it was probably half term as well, but it was probably better there, because the kids in there were enjoying it immensely. Probably a similar thing, you went to a packed stream of Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, definitely. Did, did any of our listeners have any thoughts on this owen um i think we had a couple of thoughts um let me just see if i can find them this is how unprepared i am i did i mentioned this at the start and then i forgot to bloody look them up um what have we got we had uh we had that duke said Gervais didn't win me over, but that didn't matter because Muppets Most Wanted was full of belly laughs. Uh, go and see it so they make more. He was, seems very impressed with it. But he, I know Duke was um, a fan of the first Muppets film as well. So maybe, you know, people who like the first one will probably like the second one, regardless of the fact that it's got Gervais in it. Does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah. I th- well, I think generally if you like Muppets films, I think you probably will. Yeah. You certainly... I mean, I, I, I like Gervais, but um, again, I mean, it's not something that's made me want to go and see the Muppets, yeah. even if I wasn't banned by Steve. You'll, you know? you'll, you'll like, you'll like uh, Muppets Most Wanted in spite of Gervais more than because of Gervais. I see. Okay. Um, but so... yeah, that, that was it. That was all our reaction for um, Muppets. Very poor response compared to the amount of replies we got on Captain America. Yes. Um, yes, on to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, the, 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 I've, well, the next film in Marvel's Phase 2 leading up to the, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, um, starring Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain America. Um, here's a clip. I work 40 floors away and it takes a hijacking for you to visit. Well, a nuclear war would do it too. You busy in there? Nothing some earmarks can't fix. I'm, uh, 
here to ask a favor. I want you to call for a vote. Project Insight has to be delayed. Nick? It's not a favor, that's a subcommittee hearing. A long one could be nothing, probably is nothing. I just need time to make sure it's nothing. Fine. But you gotta get Iron Man to stop by my niece's birthday party. Thank you, sir. And not just a flyby. He's gotta mingle. Okay, that was a clip then of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I keep get, I still keep getting, you know, getting caught out when I hear Chris Evans is like is going to be doing an interview, and I'm always still thinking it's the radio DJ rather than <laughs> the, the actor, and it then it throws me completely what's going on. That's that's the least of the problems with this film though, because it is it is I'm sure we'll probably all agree excellent um, across the board. I will say now, and I'll remind everyone later we are doing a spoiler alert for this film so this part here won't have any kind of spoilers in it but we will be doing a separate bit later that if you haven't seen the film you're not going to want to listen to it will give you enough warning when that bit's coming up um so yes i'm assuming we all enjoyed this one yeah loved it mm. it was very good i mean i said um ages ago that i thought it was going to be the best of the phase two movies uh which, in hindsight, is a bit overkill. I've overhyped it to myself because I didn't quite enjoy it that much. I still think Iron Man 3 was better. But as a, a sort of spy thriller full of action and sci-fi and yeah, I mean, trying to combine loads of different genres, it was really good. I, I, it was really entertaining. I still can't make up my mind between this and Iron Man 3. But, I mean, it was... Like you said, a spy kind of... You know, kind of spy thriller. I, I've said... That, on somewhere else as well that if you took away kind of the the superhero element it could have quite easily been a, a bond or born type film if you to- if you toned down if you took away the superpowers and therefore toned down the action appropriately then it could have quite easily been a born or bond type film yeah that's true but at the same time if it would be a massive shame to tone down any of the action in which oh no, I don't mean like is. I don't mean like tone it down. I mean kind of make if you took the superpowers out of it to make it more realistic, com, you know, in, on the right lines, yeah. not tone it down because it was pretty violent, wasn't it? I, I think some of the action. I think the action was just some of the best that I've seen in a film with this um, certification. To be honest, I mean, yeah, it was really brutal. I counted at least three headbutts, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy for a film. But it was yeah. really, uh, it was kind of, kind of, I think, I don't know whether it was just the way it was filmed or it was really kind of up close to the person, especially, uh, this won't be a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but the uh, the escalator scene, um, sorry, the elevator scene, not the escalator, mm. five people running up moving stairs. It's a lift. Uh, the elevator scene is particularly <laughs> brutal as well because everyone's kind of closed in in an enclosed space and it's just really kind of up close to the person. Which I was really impressed with that because I don't think the director's, um, in charge of really known for their action credentials. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But um, anyone, I don't know if this was the same at other cinemas, but people who were going to uh, Cineworld cinemas leading up to the release of Wick Soldier, that scene had been shown as like an extended preview. Mm-hmm. I seen, I saw it at least twice before I went to see Wick Soldier. Mm. But I, so, I mean... Um, in the context of the film, it was good, but I don't, I've kind of already got used to what it was going to be about anyway, that, that scene and what was going to happen leading up to it and everything. So it watered it down a little bit, 
But um, you know, I mean, it was just uh, just a really well shot, in interestingly choreographed fight scene as well. Because as we said, it, it was quite brutal. Um, the fact it was really quite a fast-paced fight as well was a lot more intense than anything that had been in First Avenger, for example. Mm. You know, whereas that was more of like um, an uh, adventure film. I think. The, the comparisons with Winter Soldier to Bourne films and Bond films is quite apt, but the first Avenger film, of the previous Captain America film, I would say it's more like something um, along the lines of Indiana Jones. Yeah. So there was a de- there was a definite tonal shift. I mean, from, from the previous. I film suppose to a lot of the action and fight scenes in the other Phase One, Phase Two films have been a bit more cartoonish, and you'd probably expect that if you've got the whole or aliens, or a man in a in a robot suit fighting, but this was just sort of, you know, men against men with guns or their fists or a shield, and it was kind of a bit more, well, it was obviously more realistic, but it was less cartoonish. It was less comic book-like. Yeah. That's fair. The, the ultimate thing about Captain America is you have to remember, he's, he's not really a, a superhero, you know, obviously you've got Paul who's like a god, and you have Iron Man, he's in a, in a suit that does everything. But basically, Captain America is just a really, really buff guy. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got enhanced strength and speed and everything. But under all that, he's still, he's still a man. So it makes sense to have this, like, more up-close and less cartoony element to the violence, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what the, the, the action and the, and the fight scenes and the choreography and is really good. What I think lets the film down overall is um, the lack of kind of depth to any of the key characters. Uh, particularly, I mean, this, I don't know whether I'm kind of teetering on the edge of spoiler here, but the Winter Soldier himself could have done with a bit more, um, a bit more of a backstory mm, I mean, inserted, you know? I, th- I think, obviously, you can't say too much in this bit because you'll give everything away, but it seemed to me that he was a bit came across as a bit like Bane in the, I can't remember what, was it, the, well, whatever the last Nolan Batman film was called. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight yeah. Rises. It came across as a bit like Bane in that where everyone's building him up to be kind of the big bad in all the trailers and all the adverts and all the hype around it. And it turns out he just seems to be like the the number one henchman. Yes. Yeah, kind I would of. Yeah. I, think, I think without spoiling anything, the advertisers have done a really good job of misdirection. Again, like Iron Man 3, it's nothing like Iron Man 3, but the misdirection level is still there, and it's still been really effective at not really telling you much about the film. Yeah. Although, whilst we're talking about the trailers and, and misdirection and so on, uh, and as well as trying to avoid spoilers, we've had a conversation about this um, on Twitter, Carol, about oh, the... Yeah how much of a spoiler the adverts themselves are. Because I went back and watched the two trailers, the two cinematic trailers, and although you see the Winter Soldier without his mask on, it's not really that clear who it is. Unless you know what to look for, you don't really know who's going to be the Winter Soldier. But on the TV adverts, you quite clearly see his face. And if you if you know anything about any of the actors that are signed on for this, you will automatically know who the Winter Soldier is, plus a lot of the people, not everyone, but I think a lot of the people who go into this film will know who the Winter Soldier is anyway, 
because it's quite a popular comic book story and some of the things that happen in the Winter Soldier lead on to future Captain America arcs in the comic book. So it's quite important to know who the Winter Soldier is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we had a discussion about, is it a spoiler for us to say on the podcast who the Winter Soldier is? Is it worth us trying to pussyfoot around saying his name? And I think I put it out on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, whatever the other one is, Twitter. I put it out on Twitter and said to people, is it going to be a spoiler if we talk about it? And most people said yes. They, th- they think if we say his name, it's a spoiler. But but I, do you, I, I mean, I, do, do you st- are you still of that opinion? I am. I mean, I think I made the comparison with you as well that if when whenever it is a year's time, we're talking about Star Wars Episode Seven. And there's going to be some people coming into that who probably haven't seen Star Wars before. Most people are going to know that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Some people won't. And, Mm. you know, you don't want to spoil something so big for people who haven't seen it. Even if they might be in... Because I don't think it's a minority. I think there's a lot of people, especially in England where or Britain, where comic books don't seem to be as popular or as kind of mainstream as what they are in in the US. Uh, I think we're if we were recording this in the US and most of our listeners were US based, it'd be a diff- might be a different answer. But I expect there's a lot of people going to these films, um, these Marvel films, who haven't seen, uh, haven't read the comic books, perhaps haven't yeah. even seen kind of the animated TV shows or anything like that. So just don't know. Yeah. But then yeah. at the same time, they did literally show you his face without a mask, quite a close-up shot of who he is in the TV advert, which, yeah. to my mind, that's that's a spoiler. That's what I would consider a spoiler. Yeah. You know, if they showed you who Darth Vader was in a trailer for Star Wars and you didn't know, you'd be quite rightly furious. So I don't see why it's any different with this film. Yeah, I actually went back to the um, theatrical trailers after after this whole discussion. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It isn't quite as prevalent. I, I I thought it was more prevalent than that, but they kind of they take measures to kind of obscure him. Uh, not too many. So probably if you knew if you'd seen the first one maybe, and it, or if you knew the if you knew the storyline, you'd know who he is. But yeah, I mean, ultimately the the, the problem is my uh, not my view of it will be skewed because I've read the art, I've, I've mm. read Captain America Winter Soldier arc, uh, Ed Brubeck is one of my favourite arcs ever, um, <laughs> so you know, I, in, in my opinion it's fairly common knowledge, you, you would easily be able to go on to, I don't know, IMDB and find out who he is, um, mm. it just depends on whether you want that level of knowledge going in or not, um, so you know, I, I don't necessarily agree but I have to respect the fact that um, you know, obviously some people don't know who he is and they don't want to be spoiled in that way. And I think the film does a pretty good job of, of that as well, thinking back on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the film plays it as a mystery, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it's a big reveal when you find out who he is. Uh, I mean, it's also quite a good job, I think, that Captain America then repeats his name so that you do know, just to make sure afterwards, because I'm sure a lot of people who... I think a lot of people will probably go to see this without seeing the first Captain America. They might be going off the back of watching the Avengers. Yeah, so I, it's I quite can, interesting that, that. They, they, they kind of make him say his name straight away because they're aware people won't automatically recognise him. Yeah, and also there are certain segments at, at the start of the film or yeah. 
before you see him, but kind of jog your memory. Yeah. I, that's all I can say. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, you have to you have to respect the fact that not well, probably like a large majority this this film has made six million pounds over over the weekend just in this country alone. Mm. I, I would say less than half of those people have read it and will know who the Winter Soldier is. Um so you know, yeah, you have you have to respect that really. Yeah, just uh, just one more point, which isn't at all relevant to the Winter Soldier discussion. But if you go onto YouTube and have a look at kids who watch Star Wars for the first time and seeing their reaction to the reveal of Darth Vader, that's one of the some there's some of the best videos on YouTube. I think just the <laughs> sheer like eyes popping out of their head, mind blown moments. And you don't even like Star Wars, Owen. I don't know, but I, even I can admit that's a good <laughs> twist. Uh, right. Um, have we got anything more to say, non-spoiler related, on the Winter Soldier? Um, well, the, the other point is um, some reviews, not all of them, some reviews, particularly there's one on Den of Geek, uh, which calls the Winter Soldier a game changer. And there's a little bit of debate about the context of that phrase in relation to the Winter Soldier. Mm. I think in the context of that article... They mean a game changer in the same way that, um, you know, the first Batman film was a game changer and then X-Men was a game changer and the Dark Knight was a game changer for comic book films. Um, I don't think I necessarily agree with that. It's probably in terms of the, the Marvel films, because as we've discussed, you know, the action in it is it's it's more it's more of a sophisticated kind of action film than perhaps we've had with things like Iron Man 3. Um, or, you know, even perhaps Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 1. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you two think? Do you I, think it's a game changer? In what it, context think, do you think I that I think that it depends on, on the context. I think if you're saying game changer in ty- terms of that type of film, then I'd say no. But if you're saying, oh, it's a game changer because of how it sets up Marvel's, you know, the whole Avengers mm. Phase 2, Phase 3 going forward, then it has, without spoiling anything, massive implications to to everything going forward. But yes. in, ter- in terms of that type of film, then I don't think it is a game changer. But in terms of the overall arc going on within mm-hmm. these films, then yes, it is. Um, I used the word game changer. I was under embargo and I was asked to sum it up in one word and I used the word game changer. Uh, and that's exactly how I meant it was that okay. it's not, you know, yeah, it's not a huge leap forward in the way that Blade was, um, but it is, um, for the whole kind of, if you're into the cinematic universe of Marvel, like I am, then yes, it's going to have massive, massive repercussions, um, and that was definitely the context in which I, I used it. Um, there are a couple of other things I wanted to say as well, actually. If you have the choice to go and see it in 2D or 3D, don't bother with the 3D. It adds absolutely nothing. Um and also, I was really disappointed with the score. Um, I've really liked Brian Tyler's work on the last couple of films, but um, there was another guy doing this one, and I didn't feel that it had the same power. Um, but luckily, Brian Tyler's back for Avengers Age of Ultron, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's an interesting point, because um, one of our regular listeners, and actually contributors as well to the site and, and various things, uh, at Shorky1969, he, you know, he's really into his film scores. He listens to them all the time and stuff. But he, um, he picked up on that point as well. He said the score is okay in the film, 
Um, but they were, he says, I think they were really trying for a Man of Steel-esque score. And it doesn't really work. So the action score um, are the best bits. But, uh, yeah, I think his point was that it, it as a, a, a score on its own, it's pretty weak. And he wasn't very impressed with it either. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There were some points, I mean, for the main, it didn't really bother me in the film too much, but there was definitely some points where it was trying to be, well, the Winter Soldier scene is actually a, a really good example, um, where it was being laid on really heavily, and it was actually to the detriment of the film. Um, but, yeah, I, like, overall, I, I didn't think it was a great score, and uh, I'll be happy when Brian Tyler's back. I can only assume he was too busy on Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, James had some thoughts on this one as well. He said, not quite the game changer he was expecting in terms of overall vision, but great action thriller. It's probably his second favourite non-Avengers Marvel outing after Iron Man 3. Hell of a lot better than the first. Finally warms the protagonist as he's finally faced some real moral dilemmas. If he had a criticism, it was the plot was a tad predictable. But I think if you know who the Winter Soldier is, beforehand that isn't really going to help to the predictability and he did i think most of no. us did but i mean as we've kind of discussed anyway the the winter soldier aspect it's not the the biggest part of that story is it no. so and now i'm now i am really struggling not to spoilers <laughs> because you can't discuss the story because there's a twist every two seconds in this film yeah every other scene is a twist so yeah so Maybe we should leave it there, safe for any more listener comments we have. Yeah, we've got a couple more listener comments. Um, we had uh, at S. Furnival on, on Twitter. He wrote in and said, uh, The Winter Soldier is absolutely brilliant. It's a perfect blend of humour, action and drama. Marvel's best yet. Um, which is quite a high praise indeed, I think, because um, a lot of people have been really impressed with this. So... That's a good sign. We also had at New Rules New Life who said uh, lots of surprises, but not too many. Uh, you expected them. Uh, the directors clearly hate cars, which I think is quite a fitting point. They do destroy an awful lot of yeah. cars in that film. That is true. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. so, I mean, it seems to be the general consensus was it was a good film. Some people really, really loved it. Um, and I don't blame them. I think it was quite an entertaining film as well. Okay. Uh, so, like we said, we will have spoiler alert that coming up shortly after we've done some recommendations. So, um, obviously, if you have seen the film, or perhaps even if you know kind of the whole, oh, you know, Winter Soldier arc from the comic books, listen on. But certainly don't uh, if you don't want anything spoiled. But before that, um, we've got a couple of things. First of all, recommendations for the week ahead. Uh, I'm going to start off with television Monday uh, uh, late afternoon film for Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) If James was here, James would be absolutely gushing over that, I'm sure, because I think he really likes Terry Gilliam. Yes, he's definitely a a big fan. Uh, Carol, what, what have you got to recommend for the people? Um, I would recommend a film that's on UK Netflix. I saw it at London Film Festival, I think, two years ago, um, called Robot and Frank. I don't know how long it's been on Netflix, but I only noticed it for the first time the other day. Um, it's essentially uh, Skeletor from He-Man uh, is getting old, and uh, he has a, a robot friend. Um, it's just a really, it's a really 
Yeah, that was, that was my synopsis. That's um, great. <laughs> you can't just read that out of the IMDb profile, did you? It's, just, it, it's a really sweet film. It's a really, I said, I remember saying to James a while ago, it was a perfect Sunday afternoon film. It is. It, it is essentially about a, a man who's getting, an elderly man, um, who's basically exhibiting the first stage of dementia. His um, kids give him a, a robot, uh, like a house robot, to look after him. But he instead decides to go back to his previous job of, of robbing houses with this robot as, as his uh, cohort. And it's just, it's really sweet. It's really kind of funny. And I, I definitely recommend it for anyone who likes kind of light-hearted comedy. And it's got a bit of a punch at the end, a bit of a twist. Okay, and Owen? Uh, I'm also picking a film that's on TV, uh, but it's on Thursday at 10.45pm on Film 4. It's uh, David Cronenberg's A History of Violence, um, which is... A brilliant film starring Viggo Mortensen amongst others, and he's brilliant in it. it it's shot brilliantly. Probably my favourite Cronenberg film. Um, absolutely worth recording and watching, or if you really want to stay up and watch it, you can, obviously. But it's on quite late, I think. It's quite a long film as well, it's about two hours. But yeah, 10.45pm on Film 4 on Thursday. Okay. Um, and just one other thing before we finish this main section. James has emailed in live um, the the films that we have to watch for losing the quiz, and it is movie forty three. <laughs> I, I, I fear that I've started us on this path of cutthroat and making us watch awful films. That we're not going to. It like. was your fault. It really was. And I yeah. and I think I think I'm the only man who can save us from it by winning the quiz again and recommending something good. <laughs> oh, man. So, I'm not looking forward to this. No. No one is, let's be honest. No no one's looking forward to it. Uh, anyway, that's all for the main part of this podcast this week. So we'd like to thank everyone who is listening um, and who reads the website. And thanks to everyone who's contributed. We'll be back roughly the same time next week, probably with James as well. Um... And coming up after this little break is spoiler alert for Captain America the Winter Soldier. So, spoiler alert for Captain America the Winter Soldier. Do not listen to this if you do not want the film spoiled and some points from possibly the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and comic book spoiled for you that might come up in future films. We don't want a repeat of what one of our listeners had for Iron Man 3. (laughs) Yes. The absolute fool. (laughs) Naming no names. No. (laughs) Yeah. Should have known better, really. Um, So yes, don't listen on if you don't want this to be. uh, Don't want the film and everything to be spoiled. But if you've seen the film um, and know the comics and that, it might be worth listening on because it will probably be quite good and quite fun this bit. Yeah. Um, we so might, do, we, we, do we get to rip into it now, or do we just go into full-on praise? Well, well, let's let's kind of start with what we're beating around the bush at in the in the main part of the podcast. The Winter Soldier is one of the, there. We go. Yeah. Yes, Captain America's best friend. From yeah. 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yes, from World War Two, who has been enhanced in a, I suppose, a similar manner to 
Captain America, but been brainwashed and made bad. Yeah, and has a robot arm. Yeah, he's got a cyborg arm. That's yeah. right. Yes. Um, so that's that's that bit dealt with. Um, I mean, All that fuss. Yes. Uh, I mean, what 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 does what does the outcome of this film mean for for the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as it's been termed? as a whole now, because obviously S.H.I.E.L.D. has been disbanded, we don't know what that means yet for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, um, obviously Nick Fury has now not got his job as director of S.H.I.E.L.D., because they don't exist. Well, uh, Eyepatch, no more Eyepatch. No. That's, it, that's the crucial change no, in his that character. Was, that, was a very, that was a very clever little twist as well, wasn't it? <laughs> what, with his death and then non-death? No, with his, um, with his eye, you know, Oh yeah, that was that was his big character change in the film as well, pivotal. Yeah. Are you seriously telling me that you didn't think he was going to come back to life? I know, I know, I knew he was coming. Oh, about... I knew he was coming back to life, yeah. but I didn't see the bit where he said to Pierce, "Yeah, you didn't scan the eye under the eye patch, did you?" So he didn't block that one off the system. <laughs> that didn't make sense at all. Just not, not at all. There's no retina, but you know. We'll, we'll There's no retina, yeah. And <laughs> as if they would scan his bad eye in the first place, so maybe, it was in the system. Maybe, maybe it's not a retina they were scanning, and maybe they scanned it when it was good, and it is still something there that they're scanning, now it, even though it's bad. But it's completely clouded over. You it's, wouldn't be able to get the same scan. It's a bloody film about a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his death and then Sabtukan... Resurrection, I suppose. Um, yeah, come on, who didn't know that was going to happen? No, that yeah. was. If you didn't see that coming, then you're an idiot, quite frankly. Let's be honest. Yeah. There were more twists in this film than Mission Impossible 2, wasn't there? The whole thing had a, the air of John Woo with Bailey. <laughs> and I think that particular moment when he was dying, you just thought, nah, that's, yeah. he's not. They're not killing off Samuel L. Jackson. We, we got to. I mean, we got to see. A lot more kind of a, a lot of Marvel characters, and hear the names of some more as well in this film, didn't we? Yes, one particular one that made me do a little squeal of delight <laughs> was when they mentioned Stephen Strange. I couldn't couldn't contain myself mm. at that point, and there were quite a few people in the screening I was in as well, which made yeah, lots of whispers suddenly, yeah. yeah. And obviously, Bruce Banner got a mention, and Tony Stark got his mention, and. Um, Maria Hill was back in it, and Falcon was introduced. I really Falcon was I really wasted. Liked, I, I was going to say I really liked Falcon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought he was there to just smile and kind of tug off Rogers for the entire film. Did anyone That's else? Did anyone else think? You know the bit towards the end where he was—I can't remember the character's name—but he was kind of um, the lead person of the Shield team that was going around trying to kill Captain America. And there was a bit right towards the end where you saw... Sorry? Captain Crossbones. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And towards the end, you saw him and Falcon go to punch each other at the same time. It just reminded me of of Rocky and Apollo Creed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but you literally, you just saw them throw a punch at each other at the same time, and then the scene cut. And I just thought, that's Rocky. I mean, it, Falcon, he was a good character, I guess. 
in the sense that, you know, he just played the same role that Don Cheadle played in the Iron Man films, really. He was just his Captain America's mate. I um, think they actually fleshed him out a lot better than, than uh, um, God, I can't, yeah, Don War Cheadle. Machine. <laughs> War Machine, that's right. I am Patriot. Yes, War Machine rocks, double X, all capital. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they fleshed him out a lot better than, than they had done. Um, I, I thought he was really, I, I was a bit worried about how Falcon was going to come off in the, you know, in, in this kind of grounded world, but I think they did a really good job with him. I think some of the, uh, some of the effects at the end with him flying around did look a bit silly. I'll, I'll happily put my hand up for that. Um, but I thought it was really good. The, the problem with Captain America is, as a character, he's just inherently a boring person. You just can't get around that. You have to surround him with people who you don't know whether they're going to do the right thing or not. Because you know that Captain America is always, he's always going to do the right thing. He, he's, he's Marvel's version of Superman, isn't he? He is, yeah, definitely. And so I think it was a really smart move putting him in with S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's around people where basically you don't know what they're going to do. Nick Fury, uh, Black Widow, who I thought was really good film, by the way, I thought Scarlett Hansen was really good, um, and I really would like to see a, a standalone film, uh, Black Widow film at some point, I don't know how likely it is. Um, yeah, you... I mean, I kind of thought they would go down the route of putting Black Widow and um, Hawkeye together. I, yeah, I, I, a lot of people have said that, I, I mean, don't even miss Hawkeye that much. No, a lot of people seemed quite annoyed or found it quite strange that he wasn't even kind of mentioned in this film, but I find him just a bit he just sort of makes up numbers, doesn't he? The thing is, you can easily explain it by just saying, well, it's, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. and he was on another mission at the time, or yeah. the end of the world, you know? Yeah. Um, I have to admit, it wasn't really a glaring omission that I that I noticed, to be perfectly honest. I think by by the sounds of it, it sounds like he's going to have a lot bigger um, role in, in Avengers 2. Anyway, well, he, so. he was kicking off, wasn't he, uh, Jeremy Renner, that he wasn't really... He yeah. kind of sidelined a bit, but he is he was... The the were not he was the kind of lowest tier one out of the whole lot in Avengers, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, I, I watched the Avengers Assemble before going to see Winter Soldier, and you know I rewatched it rather, and um, he's in it quite a bit actually. Well, I, I suppose was... I suppose at the start he gets taken over by Loki, doesn't he? So he's kind of all involved yeah. in that bit, but he's well, he does have a lot of face time. I mean, it, it, it is as a bad guy for the most part, but then you know he has a really good big fight scene with Scarlett Johansson's um, Black Widow and then um, later on during the fight in New York he's he's quite prominent in that as well I think you know he's kicking up a fuss but actually his role was pretty big you know but anyway well, enough about him he wasn't even in this film so he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> gone off on a tangent but no I mean what, how, what, what does this kind of film mean going forward for, for the whole universe, which was the question I posed at the start and we've not yet even touched on, I suppose. Um, people who know the, the comic book storyline will have probably seen the iconic, kind of what they were trying to make an iconic shot of um, the Winter Soldier kind of holding Captain America's shield um, and with, with news that Chris Evans has come out with lately saying he doesn't really want to carry on past Avengers 3 that's kind of quite relevant I think well, I could think... be posturing for a new contract well yeah he, he could yeah. be but it also kind of leads in quite nicely to what would happen if he wasn't just posturing if he did want to go and do something else can I just check did everyone stay past the credits yes to the end of the credits okay yes. 
So, um, Owen, you probably already know where this is going. You know what happens mm-hmm. after the Winter Soldier arc uh, yeah. and Civil War and everything. So basically, uh, this is publicly available knowledge, although it isn't yet in the films. Is it okay to discuss this, do you think? We're in spoiler alert. You could We're say whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. So Captain America gets assassinated, Super Rogers gets assassinated, and Bucky takes over as the uh, as Captain America. Um, so the sting at the end, although a lot of people are saying it's not really, you know, it's just kind of fan service, etc. I think it's actually quite potentially significant. Not as significant as the mid credits, which we'll get to. In no, time. I mean, I, I, I think as long as Chris Evans wants to keep doing these films, they'll keep him as. Captain America, obviously, but there is certainly now scope whether he leaves or whether it is part of a partial storyline to have Bucky or the Winter Soldier, or whatever, come in as Captain America either in the long term or the short term. Well, the most exciting thing about that is that there's potentially, if they're looking to get that done, then they'd have to do Civil War as a mm. three, which is quite an exciting prospect. But isn't, isn't Civil War for people who don't know? Is a really, I mean, it's, a, it's one of the best Marvel crossovers with the comics. It pits most of the heroes against other heroes. I've, I've, where I've read about it. They it's have to give their names to the government. Some of yeah, them want to keep their secret identities. And it's really good at putting Captain America in a really like quite awkward position. And he's one of the prominent characters in Civil War. So as Carol says, to get that, that onto... onto um, onto the, the screen, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is pretty much the biggest story they could fit but in there. I, 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 thought, I thought that, um, I thought that um, Avengers 3 was when Thanos was going to be coming in as the kind of big bad guy rather than Avengers 2, so surely wouldn't Civil War be further down the line? Yeah, that's possible actually, and also Civil War um, kind of relies on the idea that most of them have secret identities anyway, mm. and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no one seems to have a secret identity. I suppose if they're doing doing Civil War, the studio might want more time to try and get themselves as much of the X-Men and as much as Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff as possible so they can use everything. Well, the X-Men aren't really in it, but yeah, Spider-Man definitely is. And I think there definitely is um, room for wiggle room for negotiation there. I, I would be really excited for Sony and Marvel to come to some sort of agreement about that. Although, from, you know, these amazing Spider-Man 2 trailers anyway, it looks like they're skipping large parts of Spider-Man's history and stuff just to make, which I haven't got a problem with, you know, it's a film, it's not, it doesn't have to be literally what's in the comics. But, you know, things like having Harry as, as Green Goblin and mm-hmm. things like that. There's no reason really why they can't do Death of Captain America before Civil War, if they really wanted to, you could work it around that way. Well, there was um, there was meant to be in Avengers, but they couldn't get things sorted out in time. There was meant to be a shot of the Oscorp building. I heard there was meant. I heard there was meant to be actual an actual cameo from from Spider Man, um, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. But they they're talking about it for Avengers two. Both studios are talking about it because. I think Sony have realised how kind of big it would be for them. Even if they've, you know, if they can throw in Spider-Man into into Avengers, more people will probably go and watch Spider-Man. Yeah, definitely. They can't lose. They they may as well go for it. They're not going to sell him back because 
Sonia in quite big trouble at the moment, and these films are the only thing that's really keeping them afloat. Um, well, that so, quite, quite quite nicely ties into the other stinger, you know, the yeah. um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, yeah, which we see. Which and then they well, are in the X-Men film. Yes, well, I mean, so I don't read comics, but I've, what I've done is to keep myself... Um, au fait with what all the characters are about is read kind of the character bios and storylines on Wikipedia to kind of keep up what's going on. So someone who actually reads comics and knows about these things, tell us who Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch actually are in in comic books in general. They're they're Magneto's children. I mean, Magneto is a mutant. Um, Obviously, Magneto is part of the X-Men series of films, nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they I don't think they've even got the rights to use that character. No, they, I don't think they can, well, the Disney branch of Marvel, I don't think can even, are even allowed to use the term mutant. Mutant, yeah. So, as far, as far as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are concerned, they either have to leave how they've got their powers ambiguous, or they have to come up with some other way of them getting them that isn't them being mutants. Well, I got the impression from the uh, from the scene that we saw that Hydra are obviously still very active, and they've got Loki's scepter, and that's probably the mind gem. But we'll we'll come back to that. And um, they are basically tampering with people's DNA, and and that was how they got their powers. That's what I got because obviously they can't call them mutants. By the way, the reason that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch can be used is because they are primarily Avengers, even though they are mm. coincidentally Magneto's children as well. So they were kind of in the grey area. Of, uh, of it's all um, very complicated when you get really is. into that, isn't it? It's, it's a nightmare. It is. If only Marvel hadn't gone really bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Although it did save them, and there we have got these films anyway. So, kind of, it, yeah. you know, it's quite a, a happy turnaround in some ways. But it is a massive shame that we can't see, like, you know, the X Men and Spider Man and the Fantastic Four even sharing the same universe as. The Avengers. It's just well, um, an interesting rumour to say that Wolverine's going to be cameoing in the new Fantastic Four. I don't know how true it is. That's just Hugh Jackman. I mean, he just wants to be in everything <laughs> as the Wolverine. He, I'm, I'm fair play to him. He seems to genuinely love playing that character, which is really refreshing. And it doesn't never seems like he's trying to hang up of better contracts all the time. He just likes playing that character, which is great. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, it basically made him. Um, and I and I really enjoy him being Wolverine. I think he's great. Yeah. And I'll be Sad when he does have to give up. Yeah, that will be very sad. Especially if they try and bring his son into it, who's a really shit character in the comics. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but I think actually, seeing Quicksilver in that uh, in the mid-credit scene at the end of uh, Winter Soldier just kind of hammered home. Then you go and watch the the new the trailer for the uh, Days of Future Past, and you think, what are they doing with Quicksilver there? I'm mm. not entirely sure. Yeah. Going to a roller disco. <laughs> I quite like the way that kind of Hydra was used in a, in kind of a real world sense in in the fact that you know Project Paperclip actually existed in real life where they brought the scientists over from Nazi Germany and Hydra infiltrated Shield off the back of that. I thought that was that was really good and really well worked in. Yeah, I thought it was great. I wasn't too sure on the um, on the reveal of Armin Zola just being basically a supercomputer on tape, but I kind of got over it really quickly because it, you know, it was kind of okay. I'll, I'll, I think it was just like a just a, a 
machine they just had to put in to move the story in that way, and it was just the best way they could do it. Uh, but the actual kind of outcome, I thought was just really, I thought it was really clever actually. And it's it's a big, it's going to be a, a big shake up for the um, for the whole universe as a whole. I mean, she said Agents of Shield. I don't know how they're going to like. I would imagine this was the plan all along, was to kind of service us with a mediocre first season and then maybe they're planning to just kill off all the characters. Let's hope so. Well, even Coulson's been really crap in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of the worst parts of it, actually. Are we all watching it, by the way? Or, Not or really, has everyone no. given up on it? I now? gave up on I'm it pretty quickly. I'm on Channel 4 speed. Uh, I was watching it, and then I sort of gave up, and then it started, it started showing on Channel 4 again, so I started, got back into it. I, I love seeing the Marvel logo every week. <laughs> and didn't, didn't we have um, was it Agent Carter as well turning up in this one? Uh, yes, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, I really liked the one shot they did with her on the, uh, with Iron Man 3, I think it was Iron Man 3, uh, I yeah. thought that was fantastic, and uh, apparently we're getting a spin-off series for her as well, and I can't wait for that, I think that's going to be really interesting, I think she is a great character. Was she getting, is she part of these Netflix TV series, that, mm. well, I say the TV series, you know Netflix are doing these Marvel series, it's, is no, that what she's going to have, or is it? No, no I, don't, I don't think so. I think those are the um, those are the more adult skewed ones. So that's Punisher and Luke Cage and Dead and someone else who I can't think of right now. Yeah, it's um, a, fe- it's a female she- character. I can't remember which one, but it's definitely um, um, is it Luke Cage, Daredevil, um, and a couple of others. Uh, I thought they might have done like an older thing with 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 Carter in it, but uh, oh well. That's a shame. It'd be really interesting <laughs> to see how um, that feeds in, because in her one-shot, she's revealed as being one of the co-founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, with the revelations, it's kind of interesting to see where they go with that, and how much did she know anything? Was she involved in the Hydra business? Hmm. What about Agent 13, then? Which was uh, Emily Van Camp's character. Yeah. Sharon Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Who, I, I was speaking to someone um, on Twitter who'd seen a, an un, unfinished version in February, and she was explicitly called Sharon there. Um, yeah. And she wasn't in the film. I thought I'd missed it, but when you go to IMDb, she's listed as Agent 13 Sharon Carter. And I thought I'd missed it, but apparently I hadn't. Someone actually says to her in, in this version that, that the person I was speaking to had seen, oh, good shot, Agent Carter, or Sharon Carter, when she's at the firing range. But they cut that, yeah. which is really bizarre. Um, but I thought yeah. I thought she was good, but I think they definitely could have done with leaving that in just as a little kind of nod because she's quite important in the whole act. Yeah. Um, I think that really kind of um, brings this bit to an end. Um, not much more we can say, is there? I think we've spoiled everything. This <laughs> this this film doesn't really link directly into Guardians of the Galaxy, does it? No, not at all. Although seeing the trailer on the big screen for the first time before this film was very good. Yeah, I definitely got a, a big reaction in the screening I was in. I'm uh, very excited about that film. Um, yes, well, yes. I know one thing we haven't actually talked about, which I know for a fact some people have gone to see this film just because he was in it. Robert Redford's character, who's no. obviously one of the biggest stars in the film. <laughs> We've not really discussed him at all. 
Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think of his reveal? Was that a surprise or was this just another in the kind of myriad of plot twists that you saw coming? Um, yeah, it wasn't really a surprise to me, but I've seen Dave Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did like um, Nick Fury's tombstone having his quote, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's quote <laughs> from, from Pulp Fiction on it. Yeah, I yes. completely missed that. I, I, as soon as I saw it, I thought, that's that's Pulp Fiction. The path of the righteous mouth, that's brilliant. I was told about it later, I completely missed it. Um, I would like to mention, though, uh, Jenny Agutta kicking oh, yeah. ass. That was fantastic. And that got a big, big round of applause where I was. And there was actually kind of a groan when it was revealed to be Scarlett yeah, Johansson. I, I didn't think that it was going to be Scarlett Johansson at first, uh, a Black Widow. I thought it was actually going to be that and it was you know she was had some kind of you know combat tra- <laughs> yeah she had some kind yeah she had some yeah. kind of combat training and it was actually her just doing it getting just fed up with what was going on and taking action i didn't actually think it was going to be yeah. scarlet Johansson or black widow until it was actually revealed there was another um another mission impossible 2 moment though wasn't it wearing a <laughs> fake mask <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thought for a minute everyone was going to be at it. There was going to be fake masks everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Thor was going to be standing behind her, and yeah, on a, an apparent, Apparently, I wasn't quick enough to spot this in the cinema. When the targeting computer came on, before it was kind of, of changed, and it had the, the millions of targets, apparently there was, if you freeze frame it, I don't know how people have done that where it's just in the cinema, but, you know, it's got quite important you know, locate like Stark Towers and things like that, and there's you know yeah. really relevant names in that scene, but I didn't catch any. That was something I immediately said was going to reward when it comes out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to go through and freeze frame, and you'll be able to spot just so many uh, relevant names in there just because they can really. Yeah. yeah. A bit like um, Captain America's notebook at the start, <laughs> the 1966 <laughs> World Cup final. As that was just things. bizarre. And it, and it made more sense once I realised it was location-specific. Yeah, <laughs> they did a UK-specific one, yeah. How is that Because haven't they done that for um, Avengers Age of Ultron? They've sort of um, done a poll for what British TV show should be in, like, the British release. And it was no, like... That, that was meant to be Winter Soldier. Was it? Yeah. I thought um, it was for it, Avengers... Yeah, it sounded like it was going to be he was going to be flicking through TV channels or something, yeah, but it sounds like it didn't it didn't make it in. Because I remember, yeah. I remember it was like it was like Downton Abbey, Doctor Who, I think like Corrie as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was something that I thought about because obviously like the the three films in Phase Two at the moment have been really angry uh, with mm. or destroying Greenwich and uh, Croydon getting a shout out in Iron Man Three. Um, and yeah, I was really kind of disappointed not to see that, but then I guess they made up for it. Uh, anyway, I think yeah, that, Fury I think... as well at the end, didn't he? He went off to London. He said he was going oh, to yeah. London. Yes. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, maybe they're going to introduce Captain Britain. Oh wow, <laughs> that would be quite cool, actually. Uh, anyway, I think that's that's all we can say really for the spoiler for the Winter Soldier. So uh, thanks for everyone who's. Um, listened to the podcast once again uh one hour 20 minutes we usually do it this long without a spoiler alert so i think james wittering on definitely drags (laughs) drags the time on a bit but yes thanks everyone for listening and, and we'll be back
next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, uh, I don't know whether, to, whether this marks it null and void, but one of your, um, one of your clues was that the person had been in X-Men 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. And Stan Lee wasn't in X-Men 2. You what? What? Really? No, I'm serious. It's like one uh, of the ones that he doesn't make an appearance in. Trust me, I've, I've seen it enough times. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Steve, you've been robbed. You would have got it if it wasn't for that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you, wasn't it? I'll let it stand. <laughs> we'll, we'll just chalk it up and, and say, you know, pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's good. Yes, so Owen, if you want to start off with uh, this this round. Shall I start the quiz then? Okay. Um, okay, I'm not going to go in sort of chronological order. I'm just going to jump about and pick whichever film I fancy. So I'm going to start with, in in 2000, they were in Shaft. Steve. Yeah. Steve. Sam Jackson. Yeah. 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 Straight away. Penis documentary, here we come. Yeah, excellent. We'll just have a rewatch. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think Steve even... You didn't even watch it, did you, Steve? No. No, you still <laughs> not watched it. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, James has obviously now won this round of the quiz, but he's he's not here to tell us what we've got to watch. So um, next, next time we'll tell you what we've had to watch. Yeah. Well, that's right. It gives us a bit of... I'm sure we can't pick anything worse than Cutthroat Island, anyway. No, (laughs) probably not. Uh, Yes, so we may as well go straight into what we've been watching then. Um, And Carol, why don't you start us off with what you've been watching this week? Um, Well, as as I said to you earlier, I did watch World War Z, but I did fall asleep halfway through that, so I don't think it would be fair to give it a full-on review. Uh, I wasn't happy with what I did see. Let's just say that and, and move on. You've not, you've um, not, you've not given it its US title. Then you've gone for World War Z and not Z. Yeah, because I'm British. Have you have you read the book? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? it what the book? Yeah. No, the book is great. It's, <laughs> not, um, it's not as good as the Zombie Survival Guide, in my opinion. Yes, no, no, that I agree with. I thought the Zombie Survival Guide was pretty good. It but, was very uh, tongue-in-cheek, yeah. I, I just don't understand why they just didn't make a, a generic uh, zombie film and just, you know, call it something else. It would have been it would have been fine. It wouldn't have been my cup of tea, but, you know, mm. at least don't ruin that because there was just so much stuff that they didn't use. If you do either of you watch Honest Trailers, 
Yes, some of them. There's one for World War Z, which uh, I watched immediately after the film, and it's just it's spot on. There's just it, it just at some point it just reels through all the stuff that it doesn't use from the book that would have been really good to see on the screen, and it's just it's hilarious. I would I would heartily recommend it. We had the argument when the film was released, and we all saw it that it would have been much better making it into a a kind of Band of Brothers esque TV program. Yeah, you could have easily done that and just have him travel around and interviewing people as he does in the book. Yeah. That would have been just fantastic. But um, it was just like, no, we're, we're going to keep the keep the title, but just and the zombies, and, and that'll be it, really. We'll just uh, we'll just jettison the rest of it. It'll be fine. But um, what I have actually been watching instead, then, which uh, is kind of fitting uh, given our main review. Is I rewatched uh, Thor: The Dark World over the weekend. Uh, Owen doesn't like it. No, I think it, well, it's not that I don't like it. I think the first like it's a what is it about a hundred minute long film? It's not too long, is it? I think the, the first ninety minutes are real, and then the final twenty minutes are quite entertaining. But it's that first bit that drags it down for me. I don't, yeah. Overall, it's it's pretty crap, but the first part of it is really crap. I actually, I, I really enjoyed it in the cinema. Um, I I really like, in the first one, I, I like the first one. I like all the phase one films. And I really like the first one because the whole, with Kenneth Branagh directing, I think it brings a whole kind of Shakespearean uh, overtone to the whole thing, which is not necessarily, would not necessarily been there, and I, I don't think was there in the sequel. There wasn't really, I remember reading a, a review, I can't remember who it was, but someone said there's there's no scene with the gravitas, where, like, in the first one, Thor makes di- uh, breakfast for everyone, like, and it's meant to show his humility now, and there's nothing like that in the, and there's just so much conveyed in that one little scene, but there's nothing like that in the sequel at all. It's, it's fine, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I actually watched it to see how it held up with The Winter Soldier, um, you know, in comparison to The Winter Soldier in my kind of phase two ranking of the film so far. Um, Tom Hiddleston saves it, to be honest, for me. I thought he was really good in it. Yeah. But I'm quite biased. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with that as well. I think if it wasn't for Tom Hiddleston, I probably would have disliked that film even more. Yeah, I, I think, I remember reading somewhere that they beat up his role quite a lot, and uh, looking at it in the cold light of day, I, I can see why they did, definitely. It's, it's not an awful film by any means, it's just kind of, it's, but it's pretty kind of by the numbers, really. And I think The Winter Soldier will come in above it in my ranking of films, which we'll get on to later. Yeah. Yes, uh, so, Owen, what have, what have you seen? Um, I... Rewatched a couple of films that I've seen not too long ago, actually, so they're quite recent rewatches. But uh, I, one of them that I did watch was A Field in England, which we had this debate before, Steve, with you, me, Jerry, and James. And I think Matt got in on the on the, the debate as well when we had our end of year review. I really like A Field in England, but I seem to be like in the minority of the people who contribute to the Foul Critics website who do like it. I don't think anybody else voted for it in our end of year awards. No, because it was just weird for the sake of being weird. Mm, But it's... 
but that's kind of the point of it. The, you know, they take the mushrooms, so they go on the, they go on a sort of weird bender, and it's that's part of what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be really weird. So I quite, I quite enjoy that aspect of it. Any because it also adds to the film's like visuals, which I think are brilliant. You know, it's all shot in black and white, um, but it it it's still got this vivid sense of just outright freakishness. And um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it still held up for me on a second watch. I think actually I probably even enjoyed it a bit more. Um, the surrealist element was it was still there. It was still really strong. But I, the first time we watched it, I thought towards the end, the story kind of disappears a little bit and it just gets overtaken by these trippy scenes and these, these psychedelic uh, visuals. But actually, it, it still has that story to it. There's, it. It continues right through to the end, which, you know, I, perhaps I was a bit harsh on that aspect of it the first time. But yeah, on the second second watch, I still think it's really good. I still really like Ben Wheatley as a director as well. Um, you know, Sightseers is, is very popular and, and rightly so. It's a very funny film. Um, also, Kill List, which is quite divisive as well as the field dealing would be quite divisive. But I quite liked Kill List as well. That was the first film of his I'd seen. But prior to that, I'd already seen his um, series of Ideal. He, he directed a whole series of Ideal. I think it was season three or season four. No, se- season three he did. And it's just, he just strikes me as a really good director. So he, I think we also pointed out in the past, he's now going to direct some or all of the Doctor Who episodes. Yes, the first two episodes, I think it is in a new series. Yeah, so I'm I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but I'm probably going to give it a go just because it's Ben Wheatley. I just want to see what else he can do. He's just that kind of exciting young British director at the moment. Um, so, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he'll do with that. I do suspect I probably won't enjoy it because I don't really get on with Doctor Who stuff anyway. But... Yeah, Ben Wheatley is a great director, and A Field in England, I still think, is a very good film. And I'm just disappointed, really. I'm disappointed with you all not voting in it for our end-of-year awards. <laughs> you spend quite a lot of your time on here disappointed with at least one of us, so... <laughs> That's true. What, yeah. what was the other film that you saw this week, then? Oh, I, um, I re-watched The Woman in Black, the recent one with Daniel Radcliffe. Which it's just not it's not great really. It's it's weird because there's a new Hammer horror film coming out soon that I've, I'm really now I've mentioned um, mentioned this. I'm trying to think what the new Hammer horror film is, but I can't remember what it's called. But it's it's these British horror films. That, it's it's a twelve rating for Woman in Black. Some of it is quite dark, you know. It's darker than I would have thought would would make it into a twelve rated film. But it's all. Um, you know, misconception, there's, there's the misdirection, rather, not misconception, blimey, misdirection, so you've got him looking in a mirror, and, oh no, it's a crow, uh, and, and there's something standing over there, is it a woman, I can't, oh no, it's just a fucking coat on a table or something, it's just, it's pretty bland, I think, it's one of these that, I know some people who've seen it in the theatre, and I said, when you see it in the theatre, it is terrifying, yes. um, and I can imagine it would be. Have you seen it in the in the theatre, Carol? Yes, and that's why the film, the, the rated, 12A rating for the film really puts me off. I've seen it in the theatre and I've read the book, and I can't okay. 
anything with a 12A rating coming close to either of those experiences, which is why I don't really want to kind of watch the film and, and kind of have it nullified by that. Yeah, well, it is very tame. And those scares that probably do work in a theatre, I can imagine if someone's just standing right behind you or something you haven't noticed, that would kind of freak you out a little bit. Or the atmosphere, I've heard that there's a bit with a rocking chair, which is supposed yes. to be quite scary. Um, <laughs> but in the... Yeah, in the film, it's just it's a nothing scene. It's not scary. It's well made for a film. It's just not not scary. It's going for all cheap scares, and they don't really pull it off very well. But the it, acting in it is always good. It's a Harry Potter generation, is it not? Really? It's kind of getting <laughs> the younger, younger demographic into that sort of thing, which is why Danny Radcliffe in the first place, because he's pretty young, really, to be playing that role. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Although he does keep trying to distance himself from it now with all his acting choices. He um, he was in another theatre thing, wasn't he? Not long after the last Harry Potter film where he stripped down to his birthday suit and that was supposed to be him growing up and maturing from the Harry Potter series. But yeah. he struggles to escape it, I think. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think... just The cynic in me just can't help but think he put them there to get, to get the Harry mm. Potter a, a hammer because that was what relaunched Hammer really wasn't it was that it was, yeah. an enormous success so you know they, they're obviously doing something right but um, yeah, yeah some, something about the whole thing just doesn't sit right with me but you know, that's just me yeah so I mean those are the two that I rewatched in this past week um, of the two obviously as you can tell I much prefer a field in England so. Okay, well, I watched well in, in preparation for the new releases this week so this week I watched uh, the the most recent Muppets movie as well as um, the, the first Captain America film and not the made for TV movie that I saw 20 minutes of on <laughs> on on five star or something a couple of months ago that was terrible I don't know what all that was about no but the the first kind of Marvel Disney one and Avengers Assemble but they've been spoken about long enough so I don't really need to go back into that but I watched The Purge as well. Um, which was released last year, horror thriller starring Ethan Hawke, um, set about 10 years from now, I think it is, so kind of uh, near future, and for 12 hours on one night of the year in America, all crime is legal, with a couple of exceptions, so you can kill people and rob stuff, and there's no emergency services, you can do what you like. Um it's an interesting premise, and it's it's quite a good premise. It, it, it had the potential to be quite a good film. Um, it's about a family who uh, they lock themselves in for the purge because they don't want to take part in it, so they just kind of lock themselves in their house behind a high security gates and and defences. But the 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 son lets in somebody who's trying to escape people, um, and then the people chasing him. Try and get into the house as well, and it all kicks off from there. And it's just a bit disappointing, really. You never really kind of root for anyone in the film or want anyone to survive or really care for any characters. And the plot's just a bit, a bit dull. I mean, I know they. I don't really know what more to say about it. It just, it just kind of plods along, and then peters out towards. There's a, there's a bit of a twist at the end, which is which is quite good. But between the start and in the end, it just kind of plods along at a slow pace. 
is a bit by the books and a bit predictable and a, and a bit boring from what could be quite an interesting premise for a film. Yeah, I seem to remember, like, within a week of it coming out, there were a lot of people saying, oh, it's brilliant, and it's, you know, it's really quite scary and tense. Um, and then as, you know, time went on and more people saw it and lots of people kind of illegally download it and review it, of course, um, the reviews tended to be a lot less positive. Um, because when it when it came out, I thought it sounded like an interesting premise, and I would have gone to see it if I could have gone at the time. It wasn't, wasn't showing it me. So I was a bit disappointed to miss out on it at first because of, you know, these positive reviews that were coming out. But it, from, from the way you've described it and the things I can remember people saying about it, I'm kind of not that bothered anymore that I missed it. It seems like it was, um, yeah, like you've said, just a bit of a nothing film, mm. really. It has got a, bit a, of a wasted chance. It did do quite well, though, at the box office, and it has got a sequel coming out this year called The Purge mm. Anarchy, I think. Um which is okay. going to be based around the same idea with different different central characters, but um, yeah, so it's obviously something went right for them to be doing that, but I don't really know what. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, that's all for what we've been watching. We'll have a quick break, and then we'll be back with our uh, new release uh, reviews. <laughs> Yes, so, new release uh, reviews then, um, <gasps> featuring The Raid 2, very briefly, Muppets Most Wanted, and Captain America The Winter Soldier, which will have a spoiler alert at the end of the podcast for those who have already seen it. Um, Owen has seen The Raid 2 already. Carol could have gone and seen it, but decided to do a film podcast instead. Got to keep to my responsibilities, you know. Yes, I mean, just just. She knows just, where her priorities are. That's yeah, it. Just, just think, yeah. just feed your ego by the fact that about three hundred people will be listening to your your thoughts on films. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why You're I do Steve. it. That's why I do it every week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, so Owen, because it's not on general release yet, and not everyone has had a chance to see it. About a one sentence review of the Raid Two. Um, okay, very short and straight and to the point. You will not see another action film like The Raid 2 for a long time. At least not until The Raid 3 comes out, which has been announced uh, earlier today, Tuesday. They've announced that there's going to be a Raid 3, which will pick up where The Raid 2 finished. But yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, not, alright, not including the original The Raid, what what was the last action film comparable to it? That's a really tough question. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a crime thriller with action scenes in it. Um, so when I came out of the cinema, the, well, whilst I was watching it, I thought, kind of thought it sounded and, and felt a little bit like um, a Korean film I watched and reviewed on here called A Bittersweet Life, but with much tougher, more brutal, violent action scenes in it. Um that's the closest thing I can I can give you, really. It's kind of like a bit of sweet life mixed with the first The Raid. Okay. That's not going to help you, is it, Steve? No. Just say no. die. Just say die hard. Die, yeah, it's die hard, there, Steve. There we go. Die hard if Bruce Lee was in it. Excellent. <laughs> well, the first one was in the Tower Blocks. So I could get I could get on with a die hard comparison there, but I don't know about this yeah. one. Anyway, uh, this is this is this is Die Hard Three with R- Bruce Lee. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense, man. Um, <laughs> okay. 
First, first new release is we're going to review is Muppets Most Wanted, the follow-up to the 2011, I think, return of the Muppets to the big screen. Um, here's a clip. Exactly what are we doing today? I am doing my job. All we need to do is look at the map with the blinky lights and wait. This is how it is done here in Europe. In America, we use 3D satellite LED displays, not cardboard with Christmas lights stuck through it. A blinky light, she is blinking, let's go. What is this, a toy? This is my car, Le Maximum. It is illegal now in most of the EU for its massive size. It's so needlessly spacious, I feel guilty. Yes, that was a clip of Muppets Most Wanted. Owen was banned by me from seeing this because he's a terminal misery. Um, but but me and Carol have seen uh, Muppets Most Wanted. I'm assuming, Carol, you saw the, the last one that was in the cinema as well. I did, but I didn't see it in the cinema. I saw it at home. Yeah. And I think that made a huge difference because I, I, I obviously have seen this one in the cinema. Um, and I think it just made a, a tremendous difference to how I felt about the film because I enjoyed the first, not the first Muppet film, obviously, but I enjoyed the the last Muppet film. The, um, the Muppet reboot. The Muppet, yeah, the Muppets Reloaded. Um, but I didn't enjoy it as much as maybe I was expecting to. But this one, I really enjoyed. Um even though I, I can't really put my finger on what it was, but I think it was just purely seeing it. I, I saw it actually at a screening that um, the website Den of Geek very kindly put on. So it's full of Muppets fans. And that's just the best way to see a film like this, is just among fans that, that really love the, uh, the material and, and what's what's being presented to them. And it was just absolutely wonderful. Everything was just greeted with applause and, you know, very uh, stuffed Kermits being waved in the air. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I personally didn't think it was as good as, as the last one. Um, I found the, you know, the Muppets Reloaded a lot more enjoyable and a lot more fun and, and more and, and funnier as well. And I found this one not quite as good, but still enjoyable, but but slower starting. Um, it took a while to get going for me. And yeah, it, and it yeah. certainly had its problems. Ricky Gervais being the, the biggest <laughs> one for me. Because it wasn't as annoying as I thought he was going to be, actually. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Ricky Gervais, but considering it, he was in it that much, he was he was bearable, I, really. It wasn't really him being annoying that was the problem. He just seemed to not know how to act in it, which is strange because he's obviously done a lot of acting, and his TV acting is generally pretty good. I mean, he's very good as David Brent. He's very good as Andy Millman in Extras. I, I like Derek, despite people you know kind of criticising it. But in this one, he kind of seemed, you know, like when you get a stand-up comedian who does a film or a, a, a sitcom, and you can tell that they're not really an actor, but so they're not. He just felt like that to me. He just didn't feel like an actor. It, it just felt a bit kind of wooden from from him, and I, I can never get Brent out of my mind when I see him on screen acting anyway. So well, it doesn't help that he does the dance halfway through as well, does it? Perfect. No. <laughs> which uh, is a bit of a, a cringy moment to be honest but uh yeah yeah i think altogether it was it was fine i, I won't remember it in a couple of 
week's time, undoubtedly. No. Um, but, you know, there's a couple of, you know, way past the time for a couple of hours. I can see people have been really looking forward to it being a bit upset. Mm, some, um, some, some of the cameos are a bit... I know cameos are and kind of celebrity appearances are a big big part of the Muppets from their TV show to all their movies and everything but there's a few here that just didn't hit the right note like I thought P. Diddy's one was quite good but Usher's one was pretty bad I actually thought it was the other way around <laughs> at least there was a at least there was a sight gag related to Usher that P. Diddy was just kind of completely superb through um I did like um Ray Otter though, I, I just found and Danny Trejo, I just found that completely ridiculous. Yeah. And it was just hilarious watching all these five-year-olds laugh along to Danny Trejo and knowing what he's done in his career and, and where he's been was uh, just added an extra extra layer of humour for me. I think I think probably the best or one of the best bits of me was um, Sam Eagle and, and Ty Burrell's characters, the yes. the CIA and the Interpol agents. Yes, absolutely. I think it was a, a real shame that they actually gave away quite a lot of that in the trailer. Because um, the, 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 there's a bit the bit with the badges is in the trailer. And yeah. I think that would have been hilarious if we'd been seeing it, seeing it for the first time. Um, but as it was, you know, I've seen it quite a few times now. It wasn't quite as funny as it could have been. But I could have quite happily sat for a whole, a whole film watching those two together, definitely. Mm, and, and I think one of the other problems for me was that the, the human characters in it, not the Muppet characters, the actual human, weren't, weren't kind of as good or as kind of, well, not as good really as the ones in the in the last one played by Jason Seagulls and um, Amy Adams. Yeah, I, 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 I really like Queen anyway, so I, I like pretty much anything she's in. Um, so she's always going to kind of hit the spot. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and that is actually something that, that they um, address, isn't it, with uh, Rizzo's line in one of the songs where he comes along and says, no one ever takes notice of the like, second-tier Muppet. Yeah. The, the problem with the film is it's actually pre-addressing all of the all of the criticisms that are going to be levelled at it because you, and the, the first uh, song is a song about sequels and how they never was good. Yeah. And uh, obviously it turns out to be the case. It's almost like they're kind of doing it as a, a nod and a wink. You'd like to think they were that clever, but I'm not not entirely sure. Um, uh, what, um, but it's definitely worth seeing, especially if you're a, a fan of the Muppets. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what James has said as well, isn't it? He sent in our, his, his thoughts to us. Have yes. you got a copy of them there, Steve? Do you want to read yes, it? Yes, should I do it? Uh, he said a lot better than certain people would led him to believe. Um, said it's had some brilliant moments including everything Ty Burrell and Sam the Eagle did um, but a few of the jokes and cameos fell flat especially when you realise that millions have died in Russian gulags over the years a uh, bit dark for a kids film not a patch on the Muppets but what is I think he's gone a bit over the top with the gulags thing <laughs> I think I think he's just I think he's gone a bit he's gone a bit PC gone mad there I, I think it's definitely it's, it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch if you can go. Don't be afraid to go when it's going to be really busy because I think that's when you're going to have the best time. Yeah. Be I mean, I I ended up because I couldn't get any of my friends to go and see the Lego Movie with me, and I couldn't borrow a cousin or steal a child to go and watch it with me either. 
So I ended up going on my own and watching it in a cinema packed full of kids. And I think it's probably half term as well. But it was probably better there because the kids in there were enjoying it immensely. Probably a similar thing. You went to a packed screen of Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, definitely. Did did any of our listeners have any thoughts on this, Owen? Um, I think we had a couple of thoughts. Um, let me just see if I can find them. This is how unprepared I am. I did. I mentioned this at the start, and then I forgot to bloody look them up. Um, what have we got? We had. We had that Duke said Gervais didn't win me over but that didn't matter because Muppets Most Wanted was full of belly laughs uh, go and see it so they make more he was, seems very impressed with it um, but he, I know Duke was um, a fan of the first Muppets film as well so maybe you know people who like the first one will probably like the second one regardless of the fact that it's got Gervais in it does that seem fair? Yes yeah I th- well I think generally if you like Muppets films I think you probably will yeah. You certainly... I mean, I, I, I like Gervais, but um, again, I mean, it's not something that's made me want to go and see the Muppets, yeah. even if I wasn't banned by Steve. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll like, you'll like uh, Muppets Most Wanted in spite of Gervais more than because of Gervais. I see. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, that that was it. That was all our reaction for um, Muppets. Very poor response compared to the amount of replies we got on Captain America. Yes. Um, yes, on to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, the, 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 I, well, the next film in Marvel's Phase 2 leading up to the Avengers Age of Ultron, um, starring Chris Evans as Steve Rogers' Captain America. Um, here's a clip. I work 40 floors away and it takes a hijacking for you to visit. Well, a nuclear war would do it too. Busy in there? Nothing some earmarks can't fix. I'm uh, here to ask a favor. I want you to call for a vote. Project Insight has to be delayed. Nick, it's not a favor. That's a subcommittee hearing. A long one could be nothing. Probably is nothing. I just need time to make sure it's nothing. Fine. But you got to get Iron Man to stop by my niece's birthday party. Thank you, sir. Just a flyby. He's got a mingle. Okay, that was a clip then of Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I keep get, I still keep getting, you know, getting caught out when I hear Chris Evans is like he's going to be doing an interview, and I'm always still thinking it's the radio DJ rather than <laughs> the, the actor, and it then it throws me completely. What's going on? That's that's the least of the problems with this film, though, because it is it is. I'm sure we'll probably all agree, excellent um, across the board. I will say now, and I'll remind everyone later, we are doing a spoiler alert for this film, so this part here won't have any kind of spoilers in it, but we will be doing a separate bit later that if you haven't seen the film, you're not going to want to listen to. We'll give you enough warning when that bit's coming up. Um, So, yes, I'm assuming we all enjoyed this one. Yeah, loved it. Mm. Mm. It was very good. I mean, I said um, ages ago that I thought it was going to be the best of the Phase 2 movies, uh, which, in hindsight, is a bit overkill. Cause I've overhyped it to myself because I didn't quite enjoy it that much. I still think Iron Man 3 was better. But as a, a sort of spy thriller, 
full of action and sci-fi and yeah, like, trying to combine loads of different genres. It was really good. I, I, it was really entertaining. I still can't make up my mind between this and Iron Man 3. But, I mean, it was, like you said, a spy kind of, you know, kind of spy thriller. I, I've said on somewhere else as well that if you took away kind of the, the superhero element, it could have quite easily been a, a Bond or Bourne type film. If you tone, if you toned down, if you took away the superpowers and therefore toned down the action appropriately, then it could have quite easily been a Bourne or Bond type film. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it, it would be a massive shame to tone down any of the action in which Soldier. Oh no, I don't mean like is. I don't mean like tone it down. I mean kind of make if you took the superpowers out of it to make it more realistic, you know, on the right lines, yeah. not tone it down because it was. Pretty violent, wasn't it? I, I think some of the action. I think the action was just some of the best that I've seen in a film with this um, certification. To be honest, I mean, yeah, it was really brutal. I counted at least three headbutts, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy for a film. But it was yeah. really, uh, it was kind of, kind of. I think I don't know whether it was just the way it was filmed, or it was really kind of up close to personal. Especially uh, this won't be a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but the uh, the escalator scene. Um, sorry, the elevator scene, not the elevator. Mm. <laughs> running up moving stairs. It's a lift. Uh, the elevator scene is particularly <laughs> brutal as well because everyone's kind of closed in an enclosed space and it's just really kind of up close and personal. I was, I was really impressed with that because I don't think directors um, in charge are really known for their action credentials. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But um, anyone, I don't know if this was the same at other cinemas, but people who were going to... Uh, Cineworld cinemas leading up to the release of Witch Soldier, that scene had been shown as like an extended preview. Mm-hmm. I seen, I saw it at least twice before I went to see Witch Soldier. Mm. But I, so, I mean, um, it, in the context of the film, it was good. But I'd already, I've kind of already got used to what it was going to be about anyway, that, that scene and what was going to happen leading up to it and everything. So it watered it down a little bit. But, um, you know, I mean, it was just... Uh, just a really well shot, in, interestingly choreographed fight scene as well. Because as we said, it, it was quite brutal. Um, the fact it was a really quite a fast-paced fight as well was a lot more intense than anything that had been in First Avenger, for example. Mm. You know, whereas that was more of like um, an uh, adventure film. I think the, the comparisons with Winter Soldier to Bourne films and Bond films is, is quite apt. But the first... Avenger film, the, the previous Captain America film, I, I would say it's more like something um, along the lines of Indiana Jones. Yeah. So there was a de- there was a definite tonal shift. I mean, from from the previous. I film suppose a lot of the action and fight scenes in the other Phase One, Phase Two films have been a bit more cartoonish, and you'd probably expect that if you've got the Hulk or aliens or a man in a in a robot suit fighting. But this was just sort of, you know men against men with guns or their fists or a shield and it was kind of a bit more well it was obviously more realistic but it was less cartoonish it was less comic book like yeah, that's yeah fair. the the ultimate thing about Captain America is you have to remember he's he's not really a, a superhero you know obviously you've got Thor who's like a god and you have Iron Man who's in a, in a suit that does everything but basically Captain America is just a really really buff guy and, uh, you know, obviously he's got enhanced strength and speed and everything, but under all that, he's still, he's still a man. So it makes sense to have this, like, more 
up close and less cartoony element to the violence, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what the the, the action and the and the fight scenes and the choreography and is really good. What I think lets the film down overall is um, the lack of kind of depth to any of the key characters. Uh, particularly, I mean, this I don't know whether I'm kind of teetering on the edge of spoiler here, but the Winter Soldier himself could have done with a bit more. Um, more of a backstory mm, I mean, inserted, you know? I, I think, obviously, you can't say too much in this bit because you'll give everything away, but it seemed to me that he was a bit... came across as a bit like Bane in the... I can't remember what... Was it... The, well, whatever the last Nolan Batman film was called. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight yeah. Rises. He came across as a bit like Bane in that, where everyone's building him up to be kind of the big bad in all the trailers and all the adverts and all the hype around it. And it turns out he just seems to be like the number one henchman. Yes. Yeah, kind I time we're talking about Star Wars Episode 7 and there's going to be some people coming into that who probably haven't seen Star Wars before most people are going to know that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, some people won't and Mm. you know, you don't want to spoil something so big for people who haven't seen it, even if they might be in, because I don't think it's a minority I think there's a lot of people, especially in England where or Britain, where comic books don't seem to be as popular or as kind of mainstream as what they are in in the US. Uh, I think we're if we were recording this in the US and most of our listeners were US based, it'd be a diff- might be a different answer. Mm. But I expect there's a lot of people going to these films 
um, these Marvel films who haven't seen, uh, haven't read the comic books, perhaps haven't yeah. even seen kind of the animated TV shows or anything like that. So just don't mm. know. Yeah. But then yeah. at the same time, they did literally show you his face without a mask, quite a close-up shot of who he is in the TV advert, which, yeah. to my mind, that's that's a spoiler. That's what I would consider a spoiler. Yeah. You know, if they showed you who Darth Vader was in a trailer for Star Wars and you didn't know, you'd be quite rightly furious. So I don't see why it's any different with this film. Yeah, I actually went back to the um, theatrical trailers after after this whole discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It isn't quite as prevalent. I, I, I thought it was more prevalent than that. But they kind of they take measures to kind of obscure him. Uh, mm. Not too many. So probably if you knew if you'd seen the first one maybe, and it, or if you knew the if you knew the storyline, you'd know who he is. But yeah, I mean, ultimately the the, the problem is my uh, not my view of it will be skewed because I've read the art. I've I've mm. read. America, the Winter Soldier arc, uh, Ed Brubeck is one of my favourite arcs ever. Um, so, you know, I, in, in my opinion, it's fairly common knowledge. You, you would easily be able to go on to, I don't know, IMDb and find out who he is. Um, it just depends on whether you want that level of knowledge going in or not. Um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I have to respect the fact that, um, you know, obviously some people don't know who he is and they don't want to be spoiled in that way. And I think the film does a pretty good job of, of that as well, thinking back on yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the film plays it as a mystery, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it's a big reveal when you find out who he is. Uh, I mean, it's also quite a good job, I think, that Captain America then repeats his name so that you do know, just to make sure afterwards. Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people who... I think a lot of people will probably go to see this without seeing the first Captain America. It might be going off the back of watching the Avengers. Yeah, so I, it's I quite can, interesting that they... That. They, they kind of make him say his name straight away because they're aware people won't automatically recognise him. Yeah, and also there are certain segments at, at the start of the film or yeah. before you see him that kind of jog your memory. Yeah, I, that's what I can say. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, you have to you have to respect the fact that not well probably like a large majority. This this film has made six million pounds over over the weekend just in this country alone. I, I would say less than half of those people have read it and will know who the Winter Soldier is. Um, so you know, yeah, you have you have to respect that, really. Yeah, just I uh, just one more point, which isn't at all relevant to the Winter Soldier discussion. But if you go onto YouTube and have a look at kids who watch Star Wars for the first time and seeing their reaction to the reveal of Darth Vader. That's one of the some, they're some of the best videos on YouTube, I think. Just the sheer like eyes popping out of their head, mind blown moments. And you don't even like Star Wars, Owen. I don't know, but I, even I could admit that's a good twist. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, have we got anything more to say, non-spoiler related, on the Winter Soldier? Um, well, the, the other point is um, some reviews, not all of them, some reviews. Particularly, there's one on Den of Geek, uh, which calls the Winter Soldier a game changer. And there's a little bit of debate about the context of that phrase in relation to the Winter Soldier. Mm. I think in the context of that article, they mean a game changer in the same way that, um, you know, the first Batman film was a game changer and then X-Men was a game changer and the Dark Knight was a game changer for comic book films. Um, 
I don't think I necessarily agree with that. It's probably in terms of the, the Marvel films, because as we've discussed, you know, the action in it is, it's, it's more, it's more of a sophisticated kind of action film than perhaps we've had with things like Iron Man 3, um, or, you know, even perhaps Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 1. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you two think? Do you I, think it's a game changer? In it, what context think, do you think that? I think that it depends on on the context. I think if you're saying game changer in ty- terms of that type of film, then I'd say no. But if you're saying oh, it's a game changer because of how it sets up Marvel's, you know, the whole Avengers mm. Phase Two, Phase Three going forward, then it has, without spoiling anything, massive implications to to everything going forward. But in, yes. ter- in terms of that type of film, then I don't think it is a game changer. But in terms of the overall arc going on within mm-hmm. these films, then yes, it is. Um, I used the word game changer. I was under embargo and I was asked to sum it up in one word and I used the word game changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly how I meant it was that okay. it's not, you know, yeah, it's not a huge leap forward in the way that Blade was. Um, but it is, um, for the whole kind of, if you're into the cinematic universe of Marvel like I am, then yes, it's going to have massive, massive repercussions. Um, and that was definitely the context in which I, I used it. Um, there are a couple of other things I wanted to say as well, actually. If you have the choice to go and see it in 2D or 3D, don't bother with the 3D. It adds absolutely nothing. Um, and also, I was really disappointed with the score. Um, I've really liked Brian Tyler's work on the last couple of films, but um, there was another guy doing this one, and I didn't feel that it had the same power, um, but luckily Brian Tyler's back for Avengers Age of Ultron, so I'm yeah. looking forward to that. That's an interesting point, because um, one of our regular listeners, and actually contributors as well to the site and, and various things, uh, at Shorky1969, he, you know, he's really into his film scores. He listens to them all the time and stuff. But he, um, he picked up on that point as well. He said the score is okay in the film, um, but they were. He says I think they were really trying for a Man of Steel esque score, and it doesn't really work. He said the action score um, are the best bits. But uh, yeah, I think his point was that it, it as a, a, a score on its own, it's pretty weak, and he wasn't very impressed with it either. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There were some points, I mean, for the main, it didn't really bother me in the film too much, but there was definitely some points where it was trying to be, well, the Winter Soldier scene is actually a, a really good example, um, where it was being laid on really heavily, and it was actually to the detriment of the film. Um, but, yeah, like, overall, I, I didn't think it was a great score, and uh, I'll be happy when Brian Tyler's back. I can only assume he was too busy on Age of Ultron. <laughs> Yeah, uh, James had some thoughts on this one as well. He said, not quite the game changer he was expecting in terms of overall vision, but great action thriller. It's probably his second favourite non-Avengers Marvel outing after Iron Man 3. Hell of a lot better than the first. Finally warms the protagonist as he's finally faced some real moral dilemmas. If he had a criticism, it was the plot was a tad predictable. But I think if you know who the Winter Soldier is, beforehand that isn't really going to help with the predictability and he did i think most of no. us did but i mean as we've kind of discussed anyway the the winter soldier aspect it's not the the biggest part of that story is it no. so 
And now, I'm, now I am really struggling not to go into spoilers <laughs> because you can't discuss the story because there's a twist every two seconds in this film. Yeah. Every other scene is a twist. So. Yeah, so maybe we should leave it there, save for any more listener comments we have. Yeah, we've got a couple more listener comments. Um, we had uh, at S. Furnival on, on Twitter. He wrote in and said, uh, The Winter Soldier is absolutely brilliant. It's a perfect blend of humour, action and drama. Marvel's best yet. Um, which is quite a high praise indeed, I think, because um, a lot of people have been really impressed with this. So that's a good sign. We also had at New Rules New Life, who said, uh, lots of surprises, but not too many. Uh, you expected them. Uh, the directors clearly hate cars, which I think is quite a fitting point. They do destroy an awful lot of yeah. cars in that film. That is true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it seems to be the general consensus was it was a good film. Some people really, really loved it. Um, and I don't blame them. I think it was quite an entertaining film as well. Okay. Uh, so, like we said, we will have spoiler alert for that coming up shortly after we've done some recommendations. So, um, obviously, if you have seen the film, or perhaps even if you know kind of the whole, you know, Winter Soldier arc from the comic books, listen on, but certainly don't uh, if you don't want anything spoiled. But before that, um, we've got a couple of things. First of all, recommendations for the week ahead. Uh, I'm going to start off with television Monday uh, late afternoon, film for Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. Oh, wow. Um, Carol... <laughs> See, if James is here, James would be absolutely gushing over that, I'm sure, because I think he really likes Terry Gilliam. Yes, he's definitely a, a big fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carol, what what have you got to recommend for, for people? Um, I would recommend a film that's on UK Netflix. I saw it at London Film Festival, I think, two years ago. Um, called Robot and Frank. I don't know how long it's been on Netflix, but I only noticed it for the first time the other day. Um, it's essentially uh, Skeletor from He-Man uh, is getting old, and uh, he has a, a robot friend. Um, it's just a really, it's a really <laughs> film. Yeah, that was that was my synopsis. That's um, great. <laughs> you can't just read that out off the IMDb profile, did you? It's, just, it's a really sweet film. It's a really, I said, I remember saying to James a while ago, it was a perfect Sunday afternoon film. It is. It, it is essentially about a, a man who's getting an elderly man um, who's basically exhibiting the first stage of dementia. His um, kids give him a, a robot, uh, like a house robot, to look after him. But he instead decides to go back to his previous job of, of robbing houses with this robot as, as his uh, cohort. And it's just, it's really sweet, it's really kind of funny, and I, I definitely recommend it for anyone who likes kind of light-hearted comedy, and it's got a bit of a punch at the end, a bit of a twist. Okay, and Owen? Uh, I'm also picking a film that's on TV, uh, but it's on Thursday at 10.45pm on Film 4. It's uh, David Cronenberg's A History of Violence, um, which is... A brilliant film starring Viggo Mortensen amongst others, and he's brilliant in it. it it's shot brilliantly. Probably my favourite Cronenberg film. Um, absolutely worth recording and watching, or if you really want to stay up and watch it, you can, obviously. But it's on quite late, I think. It's quite a long film as well. It's about two hours. But yeah, 10.45pm on Film 4 on Thursday. Okay. Um, and just one other thing before we finish this main section. James has emailed in live 
um, the the film that we have to watch for losing the quiz, and it is Movie Forty Three. <laughs> I, I, I fear that I've started us on this path of Cutthroat Island of making us watch awful films that we're not going to like. It was your fault. It really was. And I, yeah. and I think I think I'm the only man who can save us from it by winning the quiz again and recommending something good. <laughs> oh, man. So, I'm not looking forward to this. No. No one is, let's be honest. No, no one's looking forward to it. Uh, anyway, that's all for the main part of this podcast this week. So we'd like to thank everyone who is listening um, and who reads the website. And thanks to everyone who's contributed. We'll be back roughly the same time next week, probably with James as well. Um, and coming up after this little break is spoiler alert for Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah, so, spoiler alert for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Do not listen to this if you do not want the film spoiled and some points from possibly the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and comic book spoiled for you that might come up in future films. We don't want a repeat of what one of our listeners had for Iron Man 3. <laughs> yes. The absolute fool. <laughs> Naming no names. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have known better, really. Um, so yes, don't listen on if you don't want this to be, uh, don't want the film and everything to be spoiled. But if you've seen the film um, and know the comics and that, it might be worth listening on because it will probably be quite good and quite fun this bit. Yeah. Um, we so might. Do we, we, mo- do we get to rip into it now, or do we just go into full on praise? Well, well, let's let's kind of start with what we we're beating around the bush at in the in the main part of the podcast. The Winter Soldier is one of the, There we go. Yeah. Yes, Captain America's best friend. From yeah. 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yes, from World War Two, who has been enhanced in, a, I suppose, a similar manner to Captain America, but been brainwashed and made bad. Yeah, that's pretty And has a robot arm. Yeah. yeah, he's got a cyborg arm, that's yeah. right. Yes, um, so that's that's that bit dealt with. Um, I mean, All that fuss. Yes, I mean, what 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 does what does the outcome of this film mean for for the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as it's been termed as a whole now? Because obviously, Shield has been disbanded. We don't know what that means yet for Agents of Shield, the TV show. Um, Obviously, Nick Fury has now not got his job as director of Shield because they don't exist. Or his uh, eye patch. No more eye patch. No. That's it. That's the crucial change no, in his that character. Was, that was a very, that was a very clever little twist as well, wasn't it? <laughs> what with his death and then not death? No, with his um, with his eye, you know. Oh yeah, that was that was his big character change in the film as well. Pivotal. Yeah. Are you seriously telling me that you didn't think he was going to come back to life? I know, I know, I knew he was coming. Oh, I knew he was coming back to life, yeah. but I didn't see the bit where he said to Pierce, "Yeah, you didn't scan the eye under the eye patch, did you?" So he didn't block that one off the system. <laughs> that didn't make sense at all. Just not, not at all. Yeah. There's no retina, but you know, 
Well, uh, there's no retina, yeah. And <laughs> as if they would scan his bad eye in the first place, maybe, so it was in the system. Maybe, maybe it's not a retina they were scanning, and maybe they scanned it when it was good, and it is still something there that they're scanning, now it, even though it's bad. But it's completely clouded over. You it's, wouldn't be able to get the same scan. It's a bloody film about a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, yeah, I, I hate that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean his his death and then subsequent resurrection, I suppose. Um, yeah, come on, who didn't know that was going to happen? No, that yeah. was if you didn't see that coming, then you're an idiot, quite frankly. Let's be honest. Yeah, there were more twists in this film than Mission Impossible Two, wasn't there? The whole thing had a, the air of John Woo with Bailey, <laughs> and I think that particular moment when he was dying, you just thought, Nah, that's, yeah. he's not. They're not killing off Samuel L. Jackson. We- we got to, I mean, we got to see a lot more kind of, a, a lot of Marvel characters and hear the names of some more as well in this film, didn't we? Yes, one particular one that made me do a little squeal of delight in the was when they mentioned Stephen Strange. I couldn't, couldn't contain mm. myself at that point. And there were quite a few people in the screening I was in as well. Which made yeah, lots of whispers suddenly, yeah. yeah. And obviously Bruce Banner got a mention and Tony Stark got his mention and um, Maria Hill was back in it and Falcon was introduced. I really, Falcon I, was I, wasted. I, really liked, I, I was going to say I really liked Falcon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair no, I just thought he was there to just smile and kind of tug off Rogers for the entire film. Did anyone, else, did anyone else think, you know the bit, towards the end where he was I can't remember the character's name but he was kind of um, the lead person of the S.H.I.E.L.D. team that was going around trying to kill Captain America and there was a bit right towards the end where you saw sorry yeah yeah that's the one and towards the end you saw him and Falcon go to punch each other at the same time it just reminded me of of Rocky and Apollo Creed I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but you literally you just saw them throw a punch at each other at the same time, and then the scene cut. And I just thought that's Rocky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, Falcon he was a good character, I guess, in the sense that you know he just played the same role that Don Cheadle played in the Iron Man films. Really, he was just his Captain America's mate. I um, think they actually fleshed him out a lot better than than. Uh, um, yeah, War Machine. <laughs> War Machine, that's right. Iron Patriot. Yes, War Machine rocks, double X, all capital. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they fleshed him out a lot better than than they had done. Um, I, I thought he was really. I, I was a bit worried about how Falcon was going to come off in the you know in, in this kind of grounded world, but I think they did a really good job with him. I think some of the uh, some of the effects at the end with him flying around did look a bit silly. I'll, I'll happily put my hand up to that. Um, but I thought it was really good. The, the problem with Captain America is, as a character, he's just inherently a boring person. You just can't get around that. You have to surround him with people who you don't know whether they're going to do the right thing or not. Because you know that Captain America is always, he's always going to do the right thing. He, he's, he's Marvel's version of Superman, isn't he? He is, yeah, definitely. And so I think it was a really smart move putting him in with S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's around people where basically you don't know what they're going to do. Nick Fury, uh, Black Widow, who I thought was really good film, by the way, I thought Scarlett Johansson was really good, um, and I really would like to see a, a standalone film, uh, Black Widow film at some point, I don't know how likely it is, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of thought they would go down the route of putting Black Widow and um, Hawkeye together. I, yeah, I, a lot of people have said that. I, I mean, don't even miss Hawkeye that much. No, a lot of people seemed quite annoyed or found it quite strange that he wasn't even kind of mentioned in this film, but I find him just a bit... He just sort of makes up numbers, doesn't he? The thing is, you can easily explain it by just saying, well, it's, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. and he was on another mission at the time, or yeah. the end of the world, you know. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, it wasn't really a glaring omission that I that I noticed, to be perfectly honest. I think by by the sounds of it, it sounds like it's going to have a lot bigger uh, role in, in Avengers 2. Anyway, well, he, so. he was kicking off, wasn't he, uh, Jeremy Renner, that he wasn't really... He yeah. kind of sidelined a bit, but he is he was the the were not he was the kind of lowest tier one out of the whole lot in Avengers, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, I, I watched the Avengers Assemble before going to see Winter Soldier, and you know I rewatched it rather, and um, he's in it quite a bit actually. Well, I, I suppose was... I suppose at the start he gets taken over by Loki, doesn't he? So he's kind of all involved yeah. in that bit, but he's. Well, he does have a lot of face time. I mean, it, it is as a bad guy for the most part, but then you know he has a really good big fight scene with Scarlett Johansson's um, Black Widow and then um, later on during the fight in New York he's he's quite prominent in that as well I think you know he's kicking up a fuss but actually his role was pretty big you know but anyway well, enough about him he wasn't even in this film so he wasn't gone off on a tangent but no I mean what, how, what, what does this kind of film mean going forward for, for the whole universe, which was the question I posed at the start and we've not yet even touched on, I suppose. Um, people who know the, the comic book storyline would have probably seen the iconic, kind of what they were trying to make an iconic shot of um, the Winter Soldier kind of holding Captain America's shield um, and with, with news that Chris Evans has come out with lately saying that he doesn't really want to carry on past Avengers 3 that's kind of quite relevant I think well, I could think... be posturing for a new contract well yeah he, he could yeah. be but it also kind of leads in quite nicely to what would happen if he wasn't just posturing if he did want to go and do something else can I just check did everyone stay past the credits yes to the end of the credits okay. yes. so um, Owen you probably already know where this is going you know what happens mm-hmm. after the Winter Soldier arc uh, yeah and Civil War and everything. So basically, uh, this is publicly available knowledge, although it isn't yet in the films. Is it okay to discuss this, do you think? We're in spoiler alert. You could say whatever you like. Yeah. Extra, yeah. extra spoiler alert. So Captain America gets assassinated, Super Rogers gets assassinated, and Bucky takes over as, the, uh, as Captain America. Um, so the sting at the end, although a lot of people are saying it's not really, you know, it's just kind of fan service, etc., I think it's actually quite potentially significant. Not as significant as the mid-credits, which we'll get to in a moment. No, I mean, I, I, I think as long as Chris Evans wants to keep doing these films, they'll keep him as Captain America, obviously. But there is certainly now scope, whether he leaves or whether it is part of a partial storyline, to have Bucky or the Winter Soldier or whatever come in as Captain America, either in the long term or the short term. Well, the most exciting thing about that is that there's potentially, if they're looking to get that done, then they'd have to do Civil War as mm. a three, which is quite an exciting prospect. But isn't, yeah, isn't Civil War, for people who don't know, 
is a really, I mean, it's, a, it's one of the best Marvel crossovers with the comics. It pits most of the heroes against other heroes. I've, I've, I've read about it. They it... have to give their names to the government. Some of yeah, them don't... want to keep their secret identities. And it's really good at putting Captain America in a really like quite awkward position. And he's one of the prominent characters in Civil War. So as Carol says, to get that that onto onto um, onto the, the screen into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is pretty much the biggest story they could fit but in there. I, I, I thought think. I thought that um, I thought that um, Avengers three was when Thanos was going to be coming in as the kind of big bad guy rather than Avengers two. So surely wouldn't Civil War be further down the line? Yeah, that's possible actually, and also Civil War um, kind of relies on the idea that most of them have secret identities anyway, mm. and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no one seems to have a secret identity. I suppose well, if they're doing if they're doing Civil War, they might the studio might want more time to try and get themselves as much of the X Men and as much as Spider Man and all that kind of stuff as possible, so they can use everything. Well, the X-Men aren't really in it, but yeah, Spider-Man definitely is. And I think there definitely is um, room for, wiggle room for negotiation there. I, I would be really excited for the Sony and Marvel to come to some sort of agreement about that. Although, from, you know, these amazing Spider-Man 2 trailers anyway, it looks like they're skipping large parts of Spider-Man's history and stuff just to make, which I haven't got a problem with, you know, it's a film, it's not, it doesn't have to be literally what's in the comics. But, you know, things like having Harry as, as Green Goblin and mm-hmm. things like that, there's no reason really why they can't do Death of Captain America before Civil War, if they really wanted to. You could work it around that way. Well, there was, um, there was meant to be in Avengers, but they couldn't get things sorted out in time. There was meant to be a shot of the old court building, I've heard. I, I um, heard there was it, meant. I think be, it was from Joss Whedon himself that said it actually. I heard there was um, meant to be actual an actual cameo from from Spider Man, um, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. But they're they're talking about it for Avengers too. Both studios are talking about it because I think Sony have realised how kind of big it would be for them, even if they've you know. If they can throw in Spider-Man into into Avengers, more people will probably go and watch Spider-Man. Yeah, definitely. They can't lose. They they may as well go for it. They're not going to send them back because Sony are in quite big trouble at the moment, and these films are the only thing that's really keeping them afloat. Um, well, that so, quite 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 nicely ties into the other stinger, you know, the yeah. um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, we which, see. Which and then they well, are in the X-Men film. Yes. Well, I mean. So I don't read comics, but I've, what I've done is to keep myself um, au fait with what the, all the characters are about, is read kind of the character bios and storylines on Wikipedia to kind of keep up what's going on. So someone who actually reads comics and knows about these things, tell us who Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch actually are in, in comic books in general. They're, they're Magneto's children. I mean, Magneto is a mutant. Um, obviously Magneto is part of the X-Men series of films, nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they can't, I don't think they've even got the rights to use that character. No, they, I don't think they can, well, the Disney branch of Marvel, I don't think can even, are even allowed to use the term mutant. Mutant, yeah. So, as far, as far as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are concerned, they either have to leave how they've got their powers ambiguous, or they have to come up with some other way of getting them that isn't them being mutants. Well, I got the 
the impression from the uh, from the scene that we saw that Hydra are obviously still very active and they've got Loki's scepter and that's probably the mind gem but we'll, we'll come back to that and um, they are basically tampering with people's DNA and, and that was how they got their powers that's what I got because obviously they can't call them mutants by the way the reason that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch can be used is because they are primarily Avengers even though they are mm. coincidentally Magneto's children as well so they're kind of in the grey area of, uh, of rights. It's all um, very complicated when you get really is. into that, isn't it? It's, it's a nightmare. It is. If only Marvel hadn't gone maybe bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Although it did save them and they, we have got these films anyway, so kind of, it, yeah. you know, it's quite a, a happy turnaround in some ways, but it is a massive shame that we can't see, like, you know, the X-Men and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four even sharing the same universe as the Avengers. It's just... Well, an interesting rumour to say that Wolverine's going to be cameoing in the new Fantastic Four. I don't know how true it is. That's just Hugh Jackman. I mean, he just wants to be in everything as Wolverine. <laughs> he, I'm, I'm fair play to him. He seems to genuinely love playing that character, which is really refreshing. And it doesn't never seems like he's trying to hang up for better contracts all the time. He just likes playing that character, which is great. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, it basically made him. Um, and, I, and I really enjoy him being Wolverine. I think he's great. And yeah. I'll be sad when he does have to give up. Yeah. That we will be very sad. Especially if they try and bring his son into it, who's a really shit character in the comics. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but I think, actually, seeing Quicksilver in that uh, in the mid-credits scene at the end of uh, Winter Soldier just kind of hammered home. Then you go and watch the, the new the trailer for the Days of Future Past, and you think, what are they doing with Quicksilver there? I'm mm. not entirely sure. Yeah. He's going to a <laughs> I quite like the way that kind of Hydra was used in a, in kind of a real world sense in in the fact that you know Project Paperclip actually existed in real life where they brought the scientists over from Nazi Germany and Hydra infiltrated Shield off the back of that. I thought that was that was really good and really well worked in. Yeah, I thought it was great. I wasn't too sure on the um, on the reveal of Armin Zola just being basically a supercomputer on tape. But I kind of got over it really quickly because it, you know, it's kind of okay. I'll, I'll, I think it was just like a, just a, a machine they just had to put in to move the story in that way, and it was just the best way they could do it. Uh, yeah. But the actual kind of outcome, I thought was just really, I thought it was really clever actually. And it's, it's a big, it's going to be a, a big shake up for the, um, for the whole universe as a whole. I mean, she said Agents of Shield. I don't know how they're going to. Like, I would imagine this was the plan all along. Was to kind of service us with a mediocre first season and then <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe they're planning to just kill off all the characters. Let's hope Yeah. Well, even Coulson's been really crap in Agents of Shield. One of the worst parts of it, actually. Are we all watching it, by the way? Or, Not or really. Or has no. everyone given up on it? I now? gave up on I'm it pretty quickly. Channel Four Speed. Uh, I was watching it, and then I sort of gave up, and then it started. It started showing on Channel Four again, so I started got back into it. I, I love seeing the Marvel logo every week. I can't <laughs> <laughs> and didn't didn't we have um was it Agent Carter as well turning up in this one? Uh yes. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed that. Um I really liked the one shot they did with her on the uh, with Iron Man Three I think it was the Iron Man Three was it. Uh, I yeah. thought that was fantastic and uh, apparently we're getting a spin off series for her as well and I can't wait for that I think that's going to be 
really interesting. I think she is a great character. Is she, get, is she part of these Netflix TV series? That, mm. I say a TV series, you know Netflix are doing these Marvel series. Is, is no, that she, what she's going to have? Or is no, it no I, don't, I don't think so. I think those are the, um, those are the more adult skewed ones. So that's Punisher and Luke Cage and Gerda and someone else who I can't think of right now. Yeah, it's um, a, fe- it's a female she- character, I can't remember which one, but it's definitely um, um, is it Luke Cage, Daredevil, um, and a couple of others. Uh, I thought they might have done like an older thing with 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 Carter in it, but uh, oh well, that's a shame. It'd be really interesting but, to see how um, that feeds in, because in her one shot, she's revealed as being one of the co-founders of S.H.I.E.L.D., so... With the revelations, it's kind of interesting to see where they go with that, and how much did she know anything? Was she involved in the Hydra business? Mm. What about Agent Thirteen then? Which was a uh, Emily Van Camp's character. Yeah. Sharon Carter. <laughs> <laughs> who I, I was speaking to someone um, on Twitter. It's in a, an un, unfinished version in February, and she was explicitly called Sharon there. Um, yeah. And she wasn't in the film. I thought I'd missed it. But when you go to IMDb, she's listed as Agent 13, Sharon Carter. And I thought I'd missed it, but apparently I hadn't. It, someone actually says to her, in, in this version that, that the person I was speaking to had seen, oh, good shot, Agent Carter, or Sharon Carter, when she's at the firing range. But they cut that, yeah. which is really bizarre. Um, but I thought, yeah. I thought she was good, but I think they definitely could have done with leaving that in just as a little kind of nod, because she's quite important in the whole art. Yeah. Um, I think that really kind of um, brings this bit to an end. Um, not much more we can say, is there? I think we've spoiled everything. This 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 film doesn't really link directly into Guardians of the Galaxy, does it? No, not at all. Although seeing the trailer on the big screen for the first time before this film was very good. Yeah, I definitely got a, a big reaction in the screening I was in. I uh, very excited. Um, yes, uh, I know yes. one thing we haven't actually talked about, which I know for a fact some people have gone to see this film just because he was in it. Robert Redford's character, who's no. obviously one of the biggest stars in the film. <laughs> We've not really discussed him at all. Sorry, Mr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think of his reveal? Was that a surprise or was this just another in the kind of myriad of plot twists that you saw coming? Um. No. It wasn't really a surprise to me, but I've seen Dave Cockrell. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did like um, Nick Fury's tombstone having his quote, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's quote <laughs> from from Pulp Fiction on it. Yeah, but I yes. completely missed that. I, I, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I thought that's that's Pulp Fiction, the path I of the think, righteous man. That's brilliant. I was told about it later. I completely missed it. Um, I would like to mention though, uh, Jenny Agutter kicking. Oh yeah. That was fantastic, and that got a big, big round of applause where I was. And there was actually kind of a groan when it was revealed to be Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I, I didn't think, I didn't think that it was going to be Scarlett Johansson at first, uh, of Black Widow. I thought it was actually going to be that, and it was, you know, she was had some kind of, you know, combat training. Tra- yeah, she had some kind. Yeah, she's, she's on the council. Yeah, she had some yeah. kind of combat training, and it was actually her just doing it, getting just fed up with what was going on and taking action. I didn't actually think it was going to be. Yeah. Scarlet Johansson or Black Widow until it was actually revealed. There was another um, another Mission Impossible 2 moment though, wasn't it? Wearing a <laughs> fake mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, thought for a minute everyone was going to be at it. There was going to be fake masks everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Thor was going to be standing behind her, and yeah. Oh, and and apparent, apparently, I wasn't quick enough to spot this in the cinema. When the targeting computer came on before it was kind of, of changed and it had the, the millions of targets, apparently, there was if you freeze frame it, I don't know how people have done that where it's just in the cinema, but you know, it's got quite important you know, locate like Stark Towers and things like that, and there's, you know, yeah. really relevant names in that scene, but I didn't catch any. That was something I immediately said was going to reward, when it comes out on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. you'll be able to go through a freeze frame and you'll be able to spot just so many uh, relevant names in there, just because they can, really. Yeah. yeah. A know. bit like um, Captain America's notebook at the start. <laughs> the 1966 World Cup final. That was just things. bizarre. And it, and it made more sense once I realised it was location-specific. Yeah, <laughs> they did a UK-specific one, yeah. How yeah. is that bother England won the World Cup? Because haven't, haven't they done that for um, Avengers Age of Ultron? They've sort of um, done a poll for what British TV show should be in, like, the British release. And it was no, like... That, that was meant to be Winter Soldier. Was it? Yeah. I thought um, it was for it, Avengers... Yeah, it sounded like it was going to be who was going to be flicking through TV channels or something. Yeah, but it sounds like it didn't. It didn't make it in. Because I remember, uh, yeah. I remember it was like it was like Downton Abbey, Doctor Who, I think like Corrie as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it was something that I thought about because obviously, like the the three films in Phase Two, it might have been really Anger Phillip, uh, with mm. or destroying Greenwich and uh, Croydon getting a shout out in Iron Man Three. Um, and, yeah, I was really kind of disappointed not to see that, but then I guess they made up for it. Uh, anyway, I think yeah, that, Fury I, as well, at the end, didn't he? He went off to London. He said he was going oh, to yeah. London. Yes. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, maybe they're going to introduce Captain Britain. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be quite cool, actually. Uh, anyway, I think that's uh, that's all we can say, really, for the spoiler for The Winter Soldier. So uh, thanks for everyone who's... Um, listened to the podcast once again uh one hour 20 minutes we usually do it this long without a spoiler alert so i think james wittering on definitely drags (laughs) drags the time on a bit but yes thanks everyone for listening and, and we'll be back next week